Well, I see the fat lady's done, so hit it. Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Thursday, February 27, 2014. Time for your Gitmo Nation media assassination episode 595. This is No Agenda. Wishing I was wealthy and well-connected here in FEMA Region 6 of the Travis Heights hideout in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm reading tweets in anticipation of show 600, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Vaughn Buzzkill in the morning. Yeah. And Eric Holder's in the hospital. What? What's he doing in the hospital? <laughs> they, uh, he uh, was feeling faint and had trouble breathing. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Interesting. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's interesting. It's breaking news. There's something else about Eric Holder in the news, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a dick. (laughs) Besides being a dick. (laughs) Was that what was about him in the news? He's a total douche? It was something. I can't remember what it was. Oh, well. Hey, um, I I did my dentist thing. Okay, tell, tell all. Oh, my goodness. This was, uh, you know, this is my year. I've been saving up to fix my teeth, and this will be the last time I have to Your do teeth anything. Never looked at that they were needing fixing. Um, yeah, they do. But this is it. Oh, you know, this okay. is, but this is my present, my fiftieth birthday present to myself. Is I'm going to, you know, make them all pretty, and then I don't have to do much until I die. Um, and so the dentist here, who I've, you know, we had this plan, we're working on it. The technology of dentistry is pretty. It is, you know, even though the. Dentist, dental medicine itself is still kind of um, medieval. The technology is pretty outrageous these days. I mean, you got uh, you know they could they can print their their own crowns in the office. You know, three D printing stuff uh, made of zirconia, which is indestructible. Um, have you ever had a, a dental dam put on? Uh, no, I don't think so. What what is it? It's um, a dental dam. I kind of liked it actually. Although when when they put the, when they start strapping a piece of rubber on over your mouth and then cutting a hole just for the area they're oh. going to be working on, you know that there's something real going down. You know, this is not your regular. Yeah, no, visit. I don't think I've ever had that. <laughs> it's like, do you remember when there were vaginal dams for or, or, oral sex? No, I don't remember yeah. that either. Yeah, they never really caught on. Trust me, <laughs> no one wanted to use those. I'll risk. I'll risk a disease. Screw it. Um, no, disease you're gonna get. But anyway, go on. Never mind. Let's yeah, just really. continue your story. Okay. Well, no, it was just, it was it was uh, it was three hours of uh, basically surgery. Yeah, it was too long. And at one point, I could see. So the assistant, by the way, this is why I felt so good about it. So uh, they they numb me up, and you know it's not good when they put you upright after shooting all this lidocaine in your mouth and then say, oh, just wait here for 15 minutes. Now you know that they're waiting for half your head to be anesthetized. And so I'm chatting with the assistant. And, uh, you know, like, hey, what did you do before uh, you were uh, do- doing this, uh, before you got into dentistry? You Wait, you asked the question? Yeah. And it didn't sound like... <laughs> a little bit. No, it did sound a little bit like that. And I said, wait, 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 don't tell me professional sports. She said, no. Dancing. I'm like, oh, ballroom. She said, no. Well, you you were a stripper. She said, yeah, for 13 years. The the the, the, the dental assistant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is going to be a great session. 
I can't look at you any different now. I just see you make it. I want to make it rain. This is the this is the sexist in you. <laughs> yes, it is. She's a woman who's trying to make a normal living, and now all you see her is, is a stripper. Yes. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. And you admit it on the air. Yeah, absolutely, weird. absolutely. Huh. Anyway, so just the technology part, and I'll shut up about it. So at a certain point, I see them both. I think she should have flashed you. No oh, man, would that have been awesome? She she was really nice. She'd like put her. Her hand on my throat when I was feeling a little tense, you know. She, it was fantastic. I mean, I've she, heard about that. It, it should, <laughs> even if it wasn't true, it made the whole thing great. I was happy. But at a certain point, I see both their eyes are wide and they're looking at each other. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, we got a little bleeding here that's not stopping. I'm like, okay. And then, you know, they're, and they're whispering, like, yeah, get the probe. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> And then she's like, bend him over. No, she's like, move his back up, move his back up. What? And then she puts a, a metal plate under my back. Um, and then they, the probe, it's, they're literally uh, electrocuting your gums to search them closed. And <laughs> electricity is going through my body. Uh, technology. It's terrible. Yeah, anyway, so it's all much better. Much better it now. Sounds like a comedy act. <laughs> it's a metal plate. <laughs> That's the ground. It's the ground, exactly. It's the grounding plate. But they were, I don't know, okay. Right. Stick this up his butt and ground his ass. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, wow. Anyway, but she's a, she's a lesbian. Oh, a lot of strippers become that's, lesbians. They're sick of it. That's exactly, what, that's exactly what she said. She said, yeah, I'm so sick, so sick of men. Uh, anyway, and I, and I found that out by saying, hey, you should come to spin class with me. Lots of cute chicks. He went, oh, Rosa won't like it. Okay. Ugh, Rosa won't like yeah. it. Anyway, uh, big show today. Man, what a, what, a, what a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happening. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So the Crimea thing's going as expected. Yeah, and you called that, and you, you were the... You were the first one to talk about it. And, and you look at Crimea, it, it is kind of like a little ball sack appendage hanging off Ukraine down yeah, there, isn't it? crap. It shouldn't yeah. be there. <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be there. Well, I mean, it, yeah. It should be, it's Russia. Uh, yeah. Basically. Have you learned uh, much about, or, or maybe I should just say, what are you learning? I've, I've learned a few things about, about what's, uh, what's been going on in the past... Uh, well, I, the guy I like is this, is this bald guy from uh, RT. I'm not. I'm sorry, not RT, but Van Cat. Mm. He's a French guy. He's the one who turned got me in to start to look at Crimea. Crimea. He, yeah. he is a funny looking guy. He is a real foreign correspondent. He's not a pretty boy who hangs out in Moscow and pretends to be someplace else. Right. And he has a report on what's going on in Crimea. Uh, Doug Herbert is the guy, and there's a guy we should. I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. And I have two clips somewhere. Yeah, I've got Crimea Report Part 1 would just be Yeah, let's a go guess. with Crimea Report Part 1, and we'll catch up based on what the French are seeing because he's got a lot of little tidbits and anecdotes which contradict a lot of what everybody else is reporting. Oh, good. Doug, you're in the capital of Crimea. That's uh, Simferopol, and uh, this is where we can expect further bloodshed. 
Well, I won't go so far to say bloodshed yet, Aurora. Uh, uh, let's hope not, at least. But, you know, when John Kerry uh, says that this is not about a struggle, a battle between East and West, there are quite a few people here who would disagree with that. They think it very much is a struggle. And when you speak of separatist threats these days and those fears of provinces and territories breaking away from the central power in Kiev, this is exactly the type of place that people are looking at and fear that that could happen. Uh, I'm standing actually in front of what is the regional, the Crimean parliament here in the capital capital of Crimea, Semperopol. Now, this is obviously a region. It is majority Russian speakers. About 60% of the population out of 2 million are Russians. Yes, there's a sizable minority of Ukrainians. There's also Crimean Tatars. But most are Russians. And, and yesterday, we actually saw the Russian flag. There were a lot of reports of the Russian flag being raised above this parliament building. Now, that wasn't true. It wasn't on the roof of the building itself. This morning, the Ukrainian flag is still very much flying on the roof of this building. But the Russian flag was briefly raised uh, right over the letters that you see behind me on this building. Uh, and it was done by, obviously, some groups that are very upset with what they see happening in Kiev. I may note that in just a little, a short while time, uh, they're going to be beginning a session of parliament here where the lawmakers are going to be trying to basically overthrow uh, the current local government here. Why? Because these are people that they see as being too close to the new government uh, in Kiev. Feel uh, They are people that they do not feel protect the Russian interests here, and that is the big issue because the Russians I'm speaking about, both Russian speakers, but also Russians living here who have Russian passports, uh, they are looking at what's going on and they feel slightly exposed, unprotected, and they want Russia actually to come help them. I take a little exception with some of what he's saying here, though. No. The, uh, well, about the language. I mean, people in Poland speak or at least can get by on Russian, Ukrainian, uh, you know, it's... The the it's not so much oh I, they speak Russian therefore they belong to Russia I'm I'm not I, that's, oh no that's they, a little a lot thick of the Ukrainians that's a little speak, thick. everybody speaks yeah. Russian we have a lot of feet on the ground that have told us that people just speak yeah. Russian there well it's it's also very much like um, Israel you know and everyone speaks uh, it's multiple dialects of Arabic and you know it's it's not quite. Well, I don't think he made the point. No, he the he, point he repeated like that, that a important. lot. He repeated that a lot. I hear that a lot now, too. Oh, this is Russian speakers. They don't want to belong to this part. Eh. I've been looking at the financials. Uh, because, it, you know, the thing you never get in um, in the newspaper or on, on the TV is, uh, you know, okay, so we hear, oh, the the economy is wrecked. You know, what does that mean? What exactly does, what exactly is going on? And uh, so I did some research, and it looks like there's $66 billion of external debt Ukraine has that will be maturing this year. And that has to, of course, that has to be rolled over. There's no way that's going to be repaid. Uh, but the real exposure is um, is the Russian banks, which is why I'm thinking when I heard uh, Lavrov uh, talking, you know, I got a little clip here. It's, of course, it's translated because unlike everyone in Ukraine, we don't speak Russian. It sounds, I'm not so sure that they're against all of this. We confirmed our principal position of non-interference in Ukrainian domestic affairs, and we hope that everyone will adhere to similar logic and use the existing contacts with various political forces in Ukraine to calm the situation down, but not to seek opportunistic one-sided advantages at a stage when national dialogue is necessary. 
на этапе, когда требуется национальный диалог и возвращение. Навязывать Украине выбор по принципу либо вы с нами, либо вы против нас. We want to see Ukraine part of the common European family in every sense of the word. Yeah, I, I think there may be something to that. So when they say they're Luxembourg partners, and that's one thing and one thing only, that's banks. Now that's all that's in Luxembourg is banks. Um, $28 billion. dollars. cookie factory. <laughs> the exposure to, to Russian banks... Um, Specifically, Gazprom Bank is $28 billion. There's, you know, they owe six, um, three and a half billion for gas um, that uh, Russia has provided. I, you know, I'm maybe there, maybe it's as simple as that Russia really, first is kind of like a paper tiger. Really, I, this, I've had this feeling before that I don't know if they really have the might. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's got missiles, but this is not a missile uh, issue. But maybe they just want to get whatever they can get. Oh, you're going to put you, uh, you're going to give a billion dollars uh, right off the bat if you join the EU? Fine, we'll take that. Oh, you're going to take some IMF loans? Fine, we'll take that. We'll take that. We'll take whatever we can get. We just want our money back. Well, it would be better, I mean, from this perspective... And I don't see that the Russians are running around like chickens with their heads cut off over this anyway. No, and and, uh, and there's a lot but, of a lot of people say, "Oh, they're getting ready. They're going to invade." I'm not oh, buying well, it anymore. Actually, you want to play the invade uh, thing? I, part yeah. two of the Crimean thing with Doug uh, Herbert again mm-hmm. uh, discusses the uh, the supposed the uh, activity yeah. on the border and kind of just, just yeah. He says, as, you know, it's possible, but play that part. Now, bit. Doug, um, there are reports that near the Black Sea in Crimea, uh, there's a growing military uh, Russian presence. Yeah, listen, uh, Sevastopol, which is not to be confused with where I am, Semferopol, uh, which is the capital, is the base of the Russian Black Sea fleet. And I may note that the Russian ships there are alongside Ukrainian ships as well. They've been based there for decades. And Sevastopol's been a real flashpoint um, of attention as well, uh, because it's one of the first places that Russia would look to obviously protect, because it has military hardware there. Now, there were lots of reports in the past 24 hours. We saw across the blogosphere and Twitter uh, reports of Russian tanks and more marines being deployed to the region. Now, some of the people here will say, don't exaggerate. What you're seeing is, one, a lot of the troops and, 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 and military hardware is also coming back from the Olympic Games in Sochi, which is not far away. It's just on the other side of the Black Sea. So some of that presence is normal. And they also point out, look, Russian military hardware has been present in Sevastopol on that Black Sea port for decades. So it's naturally you're going to see some Russian military hardware. That said, the Russians, they're not about to send in troops, but they might be wanting to make their presence felt, might be wanting to send a signal to the powers in Kiev, uh, you know, we're here as well, don't forget us. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that, I, 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 since the source is the blogosphere and Twitter, you got to be a little skeptical about, you know, about them getting ready to uh Yeah, no, I think games. that's what this yeah. report said. It's not yeah, it's just exactly. business as exactly. usual around the area and exactly. at the you know, everyone's it's like if you were especially if they were redeploying all the bull crap they had around Sochi, which yeah. was lots and lots of people. Yeah. 
and they're just running them up a railroad, you know, up near the along the coast and back to where they came from. I could see somebody taking a picture of that and saying they're headed to the to the to to Ukraine. Well, this, I would do that if I was a guy with a camera and I took that picture. I'm I'm pretty sure that this is all about the money. This is uh, I I'm I'm well. Let's get I'm back convinced. to this thought now. Let me. Uh, well, can I can in. I can I read the, a brief statement from the White House that came out uh, this morning? Sure. It's just a, it's it's from it's not from the it's from the press secretary, so it's not from the president yet, so it hasn't escalated, but. The United States strongly supports Ukrainian leaders' ongoing work to form an inclusive multi-party government to represent all the people of Ukraine as they prepare for May elections and to restore order, stability, and unity to the country. As the process moves forward, the United States again calls on all parties in Ukraine and in the region to support reconciliation and the country's return to political and economic health and will work with the international community in building an economic assistance package based on Ukraine's achievements in crafting a unity government. Uh, this is about getting the IMF in. That's all that well, this I is about. Well, I think we already figured that out. Right, but, but it's... Well, be- let's, it's, let me just go I'm just to saying, what I'm thinking. I'm just saying it's before they even say, stop killing people. It's, hey, get your financial house in order. The Russians are owed a bunch of money, especially Gazprom. Yeah. Three billion. Now they're gonna. They're not gonna let them go bankrupt, and and Russians don't want to give. I mean, they've they've offered to give fifteen billion somehow in loans yeah. and guarantees and other things to the. But it's like these guys. They you know they're. they're I, I don't know. It just seemed like if they would take it and everything would be fine. The the, the the creepy old guy, the guy that was running the place before, could have stayed in power. Who knows? Mm. Whatever the case, it would be better not to do that. You'd save fifteen billion dollars. You get the IMF and the economic hitmen in there, which yeah. is what we're talking about mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. When the U.S. says, "Let's uh, we'll make it," we're making an arrangement, right? So you make an arrangement, and you get that money, and then you pay off the Russians that are owed all this money, right? And you, you know, and you still got you're right on the, you know, I unless unless they go to the point of wanting to join NATO or actually becoming yeah. a member of the EU, I think the Russians right. are fine, yeah, with with the payments, and I think part of the payments would mean keeping the uh, gas uh, pipelines in place, which run through the Ukraine, into Europe. And then also now the the only variable here, again, we go back to what's her name, the old uh, spokeshole for the State Department. Newland. Newland. Real name Noodleman. Noodle is really? Yes, she changed her name. Her real name is Noodleman. Her name is Noodleman? (laughs) Yes, Victoria Noodleman. That, and oh. she changed it to new. To new I would too. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have the um, uh, so that speech where she was at the U.S. Ukraine Foundation, where yeah, she with says the Chevron logo behind. It's her. not just Chevron. I went back and looked at the video. It's Chevron on on the right side. It's Exxon Mobil on the left side. Yeah. And uh, this is where she. I just play it because you mentioned it, where she talks about key. And by the way, before before you play, so people can keep their ear out, we've gotten three notes so far. Confirming that her pronunciation of is correct. Kiev is correct. Yes. It's thank Kiev. Is Kiev, yes. Roman, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for being here and for your continued support for the U.S. Ukraine relationship. And thank you for the invitation to speak to you today. Uh, still jet lagged from my third trip in five weeks to Ukraine and my days uh, in Kiev. This week. And she goes on to talk about, you know, how happy she is and how they've uh, put in $5 billion. But this is, 
the interesting thing, this is the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation. You know me and foundations, John. I love go looking these guys up. Why is she talking at the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation? Who's in the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation? Any usual suspects? Gee, first why don't you go to usukraine.org and I'll tell you who the major funders are. We gratefully acknowledge our major financial supporters. Baker McKenzie. Baker McKenzie, of course, the Chicago law firm uh, run by the now IMF head uh, French woman. Whatever her name is. Yeah, that one. The Coca-Cola Company, ExxonMobil, Heritage Foundation, Mary Kay Corporation. Got to bring some makeup to those people. Yeah, those girls, <laughs> they need it. Raytheon. Uh, where are you? System Capital Manager, TNKBP. Ukrainian American Court. There's a whole bunch of other NGOs in here. The Washington Times. Interesting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Chevron, of course, uh, in here, and who else is in here? And there's a lot of individuals, but yeah, it's all the usual subjects. Interestingly, looking at their this blonde in the red dress, <laughs> I, it's a huge elitist outfit. Yeah. And uh, the, interestingly, uh, they don't have a lot of money. They got about a million dollars a year, so yeah, it's just keeping it running. Drinking club where they all sit around and it's a drinking club. But that's where Noodleman comes in to talk. I thought that was interesting that she's you know, she's there. Did you see... Uh, it's a front for something else. Uh, well, it's a, yes, it's a front for the these companies. Of course it is. Remember that um, Chevron got a $10 billion exploration, fracking exploration contract, and this is only a couple months before all this crap started. So I'm kind of thinking that something may be up with that. Like, yeah, $10 billion, but maybe by the time the government's changed, maybe we forgot about it, or maybe it's just a billion, or maybe we'll have the IMF pay it off somehow, you know, whatever. We'll pay it directly to them. You don't worry about it. I'm thinking that $10 billion is never going to get paid. Otherwise, why doesn't Chevron immediately, you know, why aren't they on the hook? They're, you know, it's a creditor. Uh. Um, what do I have here? I have a, oh, I was going to ask if you saw Kerry. Watermelon head carry with uh, Andrew. I have a Mitchell. short clip of him, which is part of a quiz. Oh, do we want to? I have some clips. Do you want to do the quiz first? Or? Well, let's do this. Is the this is this is the one that <laughs> uh, Herbert mentioned? Hold on, a quiz. Yeah, I'm gonna. The, there's a quiz. I have a question to ask you. Okay. After you play the Kurt Carey clip. Oh, okay. And is there a prize for this uh, quiz? Yeah. Oh. This is not a zero sum game. Yeah. It is not a, a, a West versus East. It should not be. It is not uh, <laughs> Russia or the United States or other choices. This is about the people of Ukraine and Ukrainians making their choice about their future. And we want to work with Russia, with other countries, with everybody available to make sure this is uh, peaceful. All right. And the question is? What do you say? This is uh, this is not uh, East versus West. Let's all be peaceful and let's work with everybody in Kumbaya. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Oh, okay. Here he is saying a very similar thing to Andrea Mitchell. Andrea Mitchell works for CNN, but Can of this course... this guy actually ever be succinct? Is no, it really that difficult? No, we're actually going to make fun of him to the nth degree with these clips. He is insane. And I'm happy that we're paying attention to him now because he is writing really good comedy for us. Andrea Mitchell is, uh, she's married to Greenspan, 
the former yeah. central banker of the United States. So she's an elitist uh, masquerading as a prostitute, and of course that's how she gets uh, these high-level interviews, which obviously are, are quite scripted. And here's Jerry, uh, Jerry's. <laughs> here's Jerry's here's Jerry. Here's Jerry's new take. Uh, President Putin, in a telephone conversation with President Obama just the other day, committed to respect the territorial integrity of uh, Ukraine. And I think that's incredibly important. Uh, it, it would be very difficult for me to understand how Russia would reconcile uh, its position on Libya, its position on Syria, uh, its warnings against intervention in another country, and then not respect the sovereignty of Ukraine and the will of the people there. I love how he's just turning it all around. We are, you know, we invaded Libya. We're, you know, we've sent terrorists into Syria. Now we're, you know, we are the ones that have destabilized Ukraine. And he's turning it around and saying, hey, you know, I can't believe Putin, you know, wouldn't like step back. It's unbelievable. So we're hoping that Russia will not see this as a, a sort of a continuation of the Cold War. We don't see it that way. We do not believe this should be an East-West Russia, United States. This is not Rocky Four. Ah, there we go. A popular oh, culture geez. reference. <laughs> but now I he's, like his name. I think we're calling him from now. It's Jerry, <laughs> Secretary of State Jerry, and he's going to Jerry. He's yeah. going to finish this up with the with, of course, uh, the true news. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. Okay. Yes, yes, Jerry. I'll believe you. We don't see it that way. We see this as an opportunity. Uh, for Russia, the United States, and others to strengthen Ukraine, help them in this transition. And there's no reason that they can't look east and west and be involved as a vital cog in the economy of all of us uh, going forward. And that's what our hope is, that there's a transition government, that there are reforms put in place, and that the IMF becomes involved. Oh. And that the Ukrainian people have an opportunity. To and at the very end, it's like, oh, yes, and the citizens. Yeah, and then you can come involved after we get the IMF in. But now, but now the irony of what he is about to say, uh, and I, I wonder if he, if he even understands the irony of the words coming out of his pie hole when he talks about Yanukovych's lifestyle. The key here is to give the people of Ukraine the full space within which to make their decisions about where they want to go. That's what we're trying to do. We're not putting pressure on them. We're not urging something that they haven't themselves expressed as a desire. We are trying to honor their intentions of putting together a democratic, pluralistic government that breaks away from this kleptocracy that existed there, and now we're beginning to get some insights on the lifestyle of Mr. Yanukovych uh, with his multi-million dollar dining room and his yachts and the rest of it. Really? Uh, do you not have yachts, uh, Jerry? Do you not have a multi-million dollar dining room uh, somewhere? I mean, seriously, Jerry? Really? Really? Hello, Kettle. This is the pot calling. I mean, does he understand the irony of that? He's sitting in a gilded room. Doing this interview in the middle of a, a room with a hardwood floor with a design. He's not, he has no clue that he's, he's just with, blabbering and blah, 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 blah. With a design in the middle of it. Please. <laughs> there was, this was a very interesting and entertaining interview. 
Uh, and do you want to hear his bit about the North Korea? How come she didn't say something to him? Oh, please. Because, no, seriously. Because she's not she a journalist. Say, well, Jerry, this <laughs> Jerry. Is the kind of sounds like your lifestyle. You got a yacht. You got a bunch of mansions. They're all no, over I the mean, country. No, the, the, you, you have these huge soirees in your million-dollar dining room. How can you point the finger at this guy? And, but the irony is they're sitting in the State Department in the middle of one of those rooms where the president— Yeah, one of those overdone rooms. Yeah, with a, with a, a compass design, like the New World Order eye in the middle of the floor. <laughs> It's, it's, and it's just them with two chairs and a table, and the, the whole room is echoing. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually appalling. It is appalling for him to then. Oh, but we're getting we're seeing his yachts. Oh, unlike your yachts. Okay, your yachts. Okay, his yachts. Not kleptocracy. The kleptocracy is going on right in front of our eyes here. Do you want to hear his uh, just his, his moronic statement about North Korea? I love listening to this guy. Okay. Now Andrea Mitchell is going to set him up with a with a hilarious little ditty, uh, which is you know this is all unconfirmed. These are all of course you know about how horrible North Korea is and the, the horrible like, things they've done. Here. And while I don't doubt that of course there's atrocities going on, again there's the the irony of what they are accusing the North Koreans of is spectacular. Let me ask about North Korea because the UN has exposed for all to see the horrors of those death camps, the prison camps in North Korea. Now these death camps of course are unconfirmed. This is uh, this is from some statements, some interviews, and they showed some satellite picture and said, yeah, this is where they were. Uh, the human rights wing of the UN is taking it up in Geneva. A former prison guard testified to the UN that he witnessed years ago dogs attacking five children. Two of these children survived the attack by the dogs and were buried alive. <laughs> Uh, oh, this how how much longer can this go on with China protecting its client, North Korea, and the UN not recommending that the leaders of North Korea be taken to the world court? Now, this is very interesting because, again, you have to remember that um, Andrea Mitchell is an elitist. She is a part of the, the, the upper echelon. And for her to say, first of all, she said world court, not international criminal court. I don't know if that was an oversight on her part or... If that is what they really, I don't know what she means by that. Of course, the United States doesn't recognize the International Criminal Court because people like Jerry would be in it. Uh, no, half of our politicians would be in yeah. it. Uh, so, Bush would be in so it. So she, for sure. so as a journalist, she is now saying China is protecting their client, North Korea. How come we don't take all these people to the world court and lock them up and prosecute it if they could possibly be captured? If we could capture them. Well, I think I think that uh, every, that now, oh yeah, here come the lies. But what he's about to say is beautiful. Every aspect of that report is a huge human uh, is a huge service to all of us, uh, and I applaud the report. Uh, <laughs> Great, good work. Good work. Thank you. We applaud the report. We applaud, applaud report, the report. Good friend. work, my friend. North Korea is one of the most closed and cruel. Uh, <laughs> is, you know, places on earth. He's searching for for um, adjectives and he, uh, 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 cruel and cl places. And, uh, There's no question about it. No question. There's evil. Evil. That that <laughs> that is taking place there. That all of us ought to be deeply and are deeply concerned about. Concerned. And we are continuing to press for action. All right. But
Let's hear it. In the meantime, there is no question. <laughs> no question. That the level of depravity, the level of human rights violations, they've conducted executions using 122 millimeter aircraft guns <laughs> to obliterate people and force people to watch these kinds of executions. Oh, I'm sorry. Unlike. Oh, hold on a second. Um, yeah. Un unlike we're putting people to death and watching them struggle for air for 20 minutes with some uh, bogus injection. Let's go back to the reality of this. They are forcing people to watch it. How they have to be sitting around? Or did they bring them into a stadium and then a, a jet <laughs> shoots these people? One hundred and twenty-two millimeters. If that's the case, why aren't there any photos of this? I don't care how closed the society is nowadays. People sneak photos out. I just you know, this whole thing, by the way, I still think harkens back to Abu Ghraib, that prison that we set the yes. dogs on those guys yeah. because this dog meme is just getting yeah. on my nerves. I wouldn't have said anything unless <laughs> I shows up again. I, the, I agree. Setting the dogs on it. We did that, by the way, the CIA, Hayden, and these guys. We set the dogs on people. Meanwhile, now we accuse this guy of setting dogs on his uncle, which was a lie. And now we have this new dog story. You know what? You know, John, it's as if it's just crazy. I have yet a third dog story from Samantha Power. Ugh. The UN ambassador, uh, she is married to Cass Sunstein, who will be discussed later in this program. The shill extraordinaire. And she... So it's three dog anecdotes to one. Here it comes. This is from Syria. We have a new United Nations resolution. And even though what she's talking about happened six months or was reported six months ago, she felt it uh, very important to put this in her statement uh, regarding this uh, resolution. The facts in Syria that gave rise to this long overdue council resolution. By the way, she sounds like my dental assistant. <laughs> defy the imagination. As the Secretary General has recently reported, unspeakable abuses are being committed against children including kidnapping, sexual violence, beatings with whips, electric shocks, and imprisonment without cause. <laughs> all of that. You're right. All of that Abu Ghraib. It, imprisonment, whipping, electric shocks to the genitals. Now, now, let's get to the dogs. Meanwhile, tens of thousands of detainees, including humanitarian workers, journalists, medical personnel, and children, are being held in miserable conditions and are subject to torture, rape, and other forms of intolerable abuse. And, of course, Syrian forces have encircled neighborhoods and willfully used starvation as a weapon of war. Wait for it. Blocking food deliveries and causing religious leaders in Ghouta to issue a chilling religious declaration. What could that re religious declaration be, John? Are you ready? Given the desperate situation, the religious leaders gave Ghouta's residents dispensation to eat cats and dogs <laughs> in order to survive. Cats and dogs. There's your dog story. Cats and dogs. It's all about the cats and dogs. <laughs> you know, this, is, this makes so much sense to me. Because we, uh, as a people, mainly because of, uh, of the the mind control of television have become desensitized to people being in dire situations. So it doesn't work anymore. It, you know, people don't, oh, it's just a person who gives a crap. Oh, it's yeah, a dog. Yeah, oh. don't seem to have much effect anymore. Yeah. I, I, I'm rem reminded of the, I thought a failed, I thought it was interesting, but if the failed attempt of during, I get, was it the Egypt thing or was it the Libyan thing? I, or the Syrian, I don't know who, I think it was Libya 
where they had Qaddafi, whoever gave the orders, uh, made the soldiers take Vi Viagra so, oh, they, yeah, so they could rape. Have yeah. to rape because, oh, what am I yeah. going to do with yes. this thing? This was Libya, indeed. Libya. Libya. Yeah, that w it was part of, uh, of getting the resolution um, uh, pushed through. It was like, what was it, 1973, Resolution 1973 and 1975 or whatever it was. Right, yeah, part of it was, yeah, they, they, they're handing out Viagra so these guys can rape. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Really? I, yeah, I know. It's I, crazy. I mean, there's so many things wrong with the idea that 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 even the assumption that someone would believe this tall tale was actually disturbing. I found the whole that whole episode to be quite, quite. Uh, it really set me back in terms of uh, my respect for the ability of this country, in particular, to do proper propagandizing. <laughs> this is just bullcrap. <laughs> no, we got some good. And we're, no, we're we obviously good. lost our good people to WPP, Omnicon. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They've all gone to work for the private sector yeah. because this was so stupid. Yeah. And of course, it was revealed to be bullcrap. Which is that you know if you're going to do a propaganda gimmick, you don't make something up so weird that it gets it gets rebutted, and then you just look like an idiot. Now nobody believes anything you do. I'm surprised no one has pulled the Chernobyl card on Ukraine. Well, actually, that's interesting. Do you know how you know Chernobyl is only 144 kilometers north of Kiev? How come everyone's still alive? You think with you know Fukushima in comparison, everyone would be fried and have three heads and stuff. Yeah, it's only a hundred. It's an hour and a half drive. Let's talk about this. Has been, I guess, on the list of things to, uh, on the other, the one list which just has mentioned dogs and especially attacking kids and mm -hmm. eating people, mm -hmm. and then we eating them. Dog eat dog, or mm -hmm. we eat dog, and they mm -hmm. eat us. Mm -hmm. And then the other list, the no nos, must be uh, Chernobyl. Yeah, don't talk. Ixnay it's got to be on the no no list. You can't talk can't talk about, about it. it. But when you think about it, it, you know, in any other case, in the, it, it would be something. Oh, you know, Chernobyl. Everyone in in the in a wide range, you know, thousands of kilometers died of cancer and had. You know, yeah, I'm just surprised Tom Hartman hasn't got his little <laughs> his little his little Geiger counter, little Geiger counter rates yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. The only thing I I will say is from a strategic standpoint. Having the EU in charge of Kiev, which is to the east of the Carpathian Mountains, that is strategically, maybe it doesn't matter anymore, maybe that's, you know, only the, the days of, of, uh, of foot soldiers. But the Carpathian Mountains were kind of a natural buffer, very much like the, uh, you know, what do we have over there um, uh, to the east of, uh, of Georgia? Oh, the Sierra Nevadas. <laughs> no, no. Uh, whatever they call them, that mountain range over there. Um, it's it, it's a very natural buffer zone for between the east and west, and now the west will technically be on the other side of that. Yeah, well, where they can't get away. <laughs> oh, that's right, they're trapped. They can't. It they can't go, can't go ways, home. This, Good this point. Logic. Good point. They can't go home. Uh, let's no, see. I think you're right. This is a this is a uh, this is all behind the scenes here. There's a money thing going on. Yeah, it's it's they have a great auction when they sell that guy's house off. It's not even his house. It's the presidential palace. It's not it's not his own house. I don't think. I thought he's the one who decorated it. Oh well, yeah. So the Obamas well, decorate the White House. Cool. Everyone gets to decorate their own presidential palace. Well, let's sell this. Let's mm. auction. I bet big money. 
It's like you know that they, they really blew it with the with the Gaddafi because you know they stole it. Yeah, they, they looted him, yeah. this place. Yeah. You can't. You know this is this is all all those hats he had, those big giant hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean I can imagine Sotheby's selling those things for twelve hundred to twelve thousand dollars a pop. I think at one point I remember I. There was a silent auction. It was an Elton John, Billie Jean King silent auction in Los Angeles, MTV days. And I think I won Michael Jackson's fedora hat at the silent auction for two grand. You spent two grand on a, on a hat? Where's it now? Where's that valuable hat now? It was, yeah, I know. It was, um, so I... I bid on it, but it wasn't really my money. It was my radio syndicator's money, and we had a contest, and the contest prize was... The hat. Michael Jackson's hat, yeah. That hat probably would be worth something. Yeah. I, th- I mean, but, I think all this stuff is crap. Yeah, I, 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 keep, I keep seeing this hat pop up around the... I think there's a lot of hats. And, you know, and I'm also... I'm always very skeptical of these things. Yeah, that was, I've, his red jacket, I've seen that auctioned off too many times, too, the, from Beat It. I have a... a, 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 a Ferrari red Ferrari cap that's signed by uh, Schumacher. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's going to be worth a lot of money if he ne- if he doesn't come out of the <laughs> he coma. Drops dead, he which dies maybe any minute. Yeah, it's sad. Hey, let's uh, let's move this on on time today, John. I, I of course would like to thank you for your courage and say in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Uh, in the morning to you, Adam Curry. Oh, I see what you're getting at. In the morning to you, Adam Curry, and also in the morning to all the uh, dames and knights and out there, along with the ships at sea and the boots on the ground and the subs in the water and all the feet in the air. And I don't know why there'd be any feet in the air while they're listening to this show, but it's possible. And uh, all the uh, everyone that helps us on the show and whatever. Including our artists. Artists. No, yes. Nick the Rat, even though he, he was threatening with uh, sexual favors, he actually did have the best piece of art for episode 5, 9, or 4, and we appreciate it. Yeah, he was good, complaining bitterly. Yeah. And he says, I don't think they like my art anymore. And my, I was going <laughs> to no. write him and say, you know, give us better art. Yeah, exactly. But, no. But he did. Yeah, he did. So, he, he, he nailed it. Send him the note. Noagendaartgenerator.com. Uh, also in the morning to the chat room, noagendastream.com. In the morning there, human resources uh, depleting their, uh, annual, their lifetime value of $9.2 million uh, slowly, but uh, always helping out. And... Uh, this program is brought to you by the people who listen to it, the people who consume it, the people who produce it. We have uh, producers uh, and, of course, executive producers, associate executive producers. These are the ones that get the credit. Up front, just like Hollywood, who do we need to thank today, John? We do need to thank some people for helping uh, become a, or becoming executive and associate executive producers. There we have two executives. Well, actually, we actually, well, the Sir Kraut brothers came in with 300 and they're cut off first. Executive producers three thirty three, but we'll put them in there anyway because they're the sirs. Ah. But uh, first of all, we have Michael Allen, who was an instant night with a thousand dollars from South Plainfield, New Jersey, and he wants to. Wow. And he says, "For my which saved the day, I might add, for my night name, I would like to become known as Knight of the Railroad Conductors <laughs> and Mover of Homeless and Drunks Off the Trains." Oh, by the way, wow! Yes, I know who he is. Um, he's a uh... I think he tases people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've Sir had a conversation. Sir Taser. Hey, hey, move along. Hey, shut up, you drunk, or I'll tase you. Hey, 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 you. Get off the train. <laughs> I'm going to tase you. <laughs> By the way, I'd like to give a shout out to the Google No Agenda community. Cool bunch of cats over there. Ah, the Google Plusers, yes. 
So he's nice. a he Insta could be a conductor on a railroad, and his if he's back in Jersey, he's obviously on you know the one of these the, the big path. And That's all these Burlington like Northern trains out around there, yeah. and he probably goes through collecting you know punching tickets, tickets, and, tickets, tickets, please, tickets, 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 tickets and please. Again, where's your ticket? <laughs> hey man. Off you I, I go. Just, I was just sitting here. <laughs> Off you go. Hey, where's your ticket? What? What? No ticket? <laughs> and this is exactly the kind of people who who make sure the show continues. So you got a problem? I would not mess with this guy. He's a night. Nice, you know. Also, if we we have some train <laughs> anecdotes, and if we make a mistake, which we yeah. com- we don't do it, much, we make some mistakes. Oh, we make all kinds of mistakes. But we don't make a lot. In reality, we make some. We make enough that it, that we get corrected. Right. And, and so. And now, if we make a train mistake, it'll be. <laughs> well, I'd rather have a correction than that. But okay. <laughs> Sir Crowd Brothers came in with three hundred dollars from New York City. Oh, you know what? Uh, Harry Reid was talking about them. The Kraut Brothers? The evil Kraut Brothers. Yes. What did he say? Mr. President, these two brothers are trying to buy America. They not only funnel money through their Americans for, for Prosperity, they funnel money into all kinds of organizations. They're trying to buy America. There you go. The evil Kraut Brothers trying to buy America. I think they were talking about those other guys. Oh, the Koch brothers, maybe. Oh, okay. I messed now, up. Now, we never got permission to call I the did, evil I did. I did. I did. I got you permission. Did? Yes, I did. Via email. We can call well, them. Let's the- see. I guess he says that in here. To all our friends at Nango, keep up the hard work. Please find our donation of $300 for show 595, which is five shows away from show 600, I might want to mention. Yeah, exactly. Here's the bad science and perky breasts. <laughs> the evil crowd brothers stand behind you financially and spiritually. One hundred percent hold on a second is that a new no agenda night perk perky breasts no bad science and perky breasts i think it could be added to the roundtable rewards bad mm, i thought science? it was, should be a, a refreshments well there's something there anyway <laughs> i'm putting it in i'm adding it bad science and perky breasts okay nice all right i think you should just record that and then hit the button and fool me don't you think that'd be funny? If I said bad science and perky no, breasts? No, no. If you have, when you rattle off that list that you read. Yeah, yes. <laughs> if you recorded it and then just hit the button uh, transparently, I would think you were reading it. Yeah. And it would be true. It would be a tape recording. Yeah, okay. O- onward. And, of course, Adam, please give a shout-out to Eleanor. Who's a constitutional lawyer? Yeah, see, now we I'm ready. We have included our accounting for reconciliation <laughs> with the official spreadsheet and the PayPal receipt. Sir Crow Brothers, Brothers of 89th and Bluegrass. And Bluegrass. Yeah, exactly. In New York. New York. Thank you very much, Evil Crow Brothers. Thank you. And thank you for the bread. What? Yeah, they sent me gluten-free bread from the from the bakery. They sent you some gluten-free bread? Yes. Not some, but like in like all different like hot dog rolls and all kinds of stuff. Huh. Yeah, it's great. Sir Nate Wilson, $273.24 from Charleston, South Carolina. Gorgeous place. Dear Crackpot and Buzzkill, as a night located in the low country, Charleston, South Carolina, I noticed that the peerage map does not have the fancy red dot on Charleston Mm. for the location of my knighthood. Mm. If you could please update the map, I would appreciate it. I mention this because I have a call out for all producers in the low country and across the South Carolina. I will match dollar for dollar 
All South Carolina producers' donations up to $605 until episode 605, <laughs> which will be on April 3rd, 2014. Very the nice. Reason, the reason John and I share the birthday of April 5th, and this is my way of providing a donation to the show. Hmm. A birthday shout-out to the Buzzkill and calling to arms all producers within my domain to support the show. I will keep a running total of South Carolina donations from episode 595 to episode 605. If the donation is matched to its fullest at 605, this will take me along with this donation to my second knighthood on my way to Baron of the Carolinas. I don't know we have anybody from South Carolina ever donates except mm -hmm. Nate. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Nate for sure. Anonymous in Minnesota, that's 250 bucks. Uh, just getting by in Minnesota. Thanks for your courage. Always on the lookout for the squirrels. Squirrel! Sir Funk, $230 from Brunswick, Victoria. Hey. ITM, gentlemen, it's time to complete my baronetcy. So in a salute to dad jokes... Everywhere, I'm making a tooth hurdy donation for Adam's <laughs> dentist visit. Audience groans. Uh, try the veal. I'm here all week. Thanks for your courage, <laughs> Sir Funk. Thank you very much, Sir Funk. Yeah, that's nice of you. It didn't that's really. Our, it's, that's uh, our group yeah. today for oh. show 595. I want to remind people to go to dvorak.org slash NA. Also, channel dvorak.com slash NA. You can hit the No Agenda Nation site. And pick up some 33 bags and yeah. uh, hit the donate button there. If you can't get to Dvorak.org slash NA and also the No Agenda Show has a button you can you can slam. Quick PR mentions. Um, Sir JD in the morning, gents. Quick uh, mention a report from our San Francisco meetup. This was the San Francisco No Agenda 2030 Cyber Force meetup. A smashing success with a great mix of knights, supporters, skeptics, and new recruits. Well, we'd like to have more information on that, actually. Where's the photos? Yeah, he said photos will be forthcoming. Hmm. And I could have gone to that. I wasn't invited. Yes, you We even mentioned it. <laughs> you dick. We mentioned it on the show. It's not the same. And then uh, Jimmy V, uh, although we, I'm trying to cut back on these mentions, but it was too good, uh, is now forwarding to noagendashow.com. The domain name George Clooney is a spy. George Clooney. George Clooney. George Clooney is a spy. Which I think is a nice domain name. It is a good, yeah. Clooney should buy it from us. <laughs> yeah. He's currently, uh, he's dating the, uh, the WikiLeaks lawyer. A, yeah, I saw that. A new WikiLeaks lore. I don't even know who the... I've never even seen this one. She's hot. No, we've seen her. No, no. This was... No, I have never, never seen this one. No. no well, no, I no. think she's the one... She's probably the one because Assange's girlfriend ran off with, with the other Snowden. guy. Yeah, with Snowden. That, so he decided to see if he could make her jealous with this, this hottie. Oh, well, definitely. But then Clooney takes her. <laughs> that, runs off that, with her. That bastard Clooney comes in and takes her. And you know he doesn't even want her. <laughs> you know he's gay. He's like he doesn't really want her. He's just it's it's an arm candy. Yeah, well, for the White he's House. Got good taste. Yeah, he does have good taste. All right, everybody. Dvorak.org/slash <laughs> Thanks again to our uh, executive producer and associate executive producers. Uh, it is highly appreciated. These are real credits. Unlike uh, the phonies in Hollywood, we will vouch for you if you need anyone. Uh, to tell these people that these credits really are for producing an actual program of media. 
And please continue to propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. trend a new media well, trend? trend a new media I'm trend? A trend is it is it a meme or a trend it's a predicted trend okay it's not a meme it's because it's you know when you watch a news show um and you do a remote you're the remote guy and i and, I, and you you throw it back to the studio yeah but but are you gonna throw it to me first or i'm just gonna no throw no I, you're just okay. finishing a report throw All it right. to me and that's it here on location in Austin, Texas. Adam Curry, WNBC. Back to you in the studio, John. Now, now at this point, I can say, uh, I can say, usually I say. Thank you, Adam. Great report. Yeah. Well, right. okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> what? I'm noticing I don't see as many thank yous. Really? Yeah. I see mostly they either, they either, Back huh. announce who it was, that that was Adam Curry, right? Or, yeah, or no, they, yeah. They back just ignore it. To, well, I think the uh, I've seen more ignoring, but that's on more national scale. The local the national scale. news tends to ignore. Yes, local scale is still you know their colleagues. I, I don't hear the thank yous. That's the reason I had this little hmm. meme because Scott Pelley is constantly thanking thanking the reporter, but he does it in such a way that you think the guy's working for free. Uh, I have thanks two and thanks three. Is there a thanks one? The thanks one is CBS ah. thanks. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Right. Michelle Miller in Manhattan. Michelle, thanks very much. Thanks very now much. He says thanks very much. Yeah. Like, like, so you would throw it back to me and I'd say, Adam Curry, thanks very much. Since we're not paying you anything. <laughs> You're right. Thank you. I'm going to give you a hearty nice. thanks. Well, thanks. I don't see the other reporters. I don't see the other anchors doing this. Can I try to? Uh... Yeah, play another one. Well, Scott, that could be later this summer. Bob, thanks very much. Today, sign. <laughs> thanks very much. No, but no, no. He, you see, in this case, he's the commander of the ship. You see, and and he's the he doesn't have a co-anchor like a local news report. It's just him, and so he's kind of the captain, and he wants everyone to know that, you know, hey, you're you're kind of, uh, hey, you know, you're you're in my ship. Here. Thanks for your report. Doctor, thanks very much. Thanks very much. It thanks, is. Thanks, thanks very, very much. much. Well, that's what I'm going to do with you. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. I'm just going to say the thanks very much. Now, now that you mentioned the co-anchor thing is interesting, too, because that actually harkens back to Huntley and Brinkley. I think they were the first co-anchors because the news in the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. you know, had been, it was evolving from radio and radio was, you know, mostly reports mm -hmm. from overseas. Mm -hmm. And then they, when they came to TV, they needed somebody to co coordinate all this stuff and they never used two people. And so it was a huge revolution when they had two people that could go back and forth. The only remnant of that is the PBS NewsHour, and they're rarely the two people are they're, now they're, they're kind of on two separate desks, and then sometimes they're at the same desk. But the local news has stuck with this old formula where there's two, yeah. three, and four people at the desk. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to have your, uh, your two anchors, male, female, obviously. Then you have to have your sports guy and your weatherman. Right. That's it. That That is the formula. And, and this has been going on for decades. If someone actually came in and changed it up, boy, it would be an upset. But I don't you think anyone has the guts to change yeah, it. Yeah, but it's also necessary because 
these people make so little money that you need to, uh, there's you need always, to fire one of you, them. You need to pay the other three more. <laughs> no, there's always going to be someone who doesn't feel good that morning. You know, uh, well, and someone else. Then the weather guy can sit in or so. It's very, it's it's a it's a you know, tr- true and tested formula. This stemmed from two guys, Huntley and Brinkley, mm. and you never see two guys on locals. Either a guy and a, and a woman or two women. I don't have. It, where's two women? We get two women a lot. Here. Oh, it's well, of course it's uh, it's California. Ah, th- that that reminds me. Okay, you sent an email this morning, and I'm glad you sent that because otherwise I wouldn't be able to set this uh, this segment up properly. Uh, let me see if I can find this. I'm just going to uh, paraphrase. It was about the uh, someone who sent us a thing about the gays in Uganda. And you you sent a, you don't usually reply to people, certainly not in this length, but I think the crux of what you said was, I'm sick and tired of gay news. Was that kind of what you said? Well, no, I didn't say that. I But I, I, I said I'm sick and tired of this dissociated gay agenda, not gay agenda, but gay uh, rights news in Africa ah. and other places that when we did the gay stuff about, um, we're not gay, so we can't, be, we shouldn't be reporting on the gays. I mean, I mentioned, I didn't mention, but I was going to say that if you, it's wor- it's really bad when you read a guy writing about technology who knows nothing. He always right. gets something wrong and it's right. offensive to read it. And I feel right. the same way about right. this. Right, right, right. But in this case, people don't realize that when we were really dissecting this gay thing going on in Sochi, Mm -hmm. it was because it had a political agenda behind it. It was an attempt to embarrass the Olympics, embarrass Putin. There was a bunch of crap going around it. It had nothing to do with, you know, supporting gay marriage or whatever. I don't know. Yes. Whatever the case is, I don't care about these gay stories in Africa because they Ah. don't have any political connection Ah. to anything. Ah. Ah. I found okay. it. I found you got it. it. Tell I me what found it, is. it. I found. But I gotta. I gotta take you through the the process. How I found it. Okay. So you found something that makes it actually relevant. Completely relevant. Okay. Now that's fine. All right. This so, guy didn't have that. He just had stories about gays. Right. And this is and this is a broader. This is not just Africa. It it and I and uh, Mickey asked, actually asked me to uh, do the full. Acronym once again LGBTQQIAAP. I have to do this because AEIOU. Lesbian, gay, bi curious, bisexual, transgendered, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, allied, and pansexual. That is the full acronym. And if you are not one of those, you are a homophobe. Uh, what is the what is the what was the last one again? It's allied. No, no, the last Asexual. pansexual. 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 Pansexual are people who fall in love with other people regardless of their sex. It's only about them. I know. Don't, but please, I know. Don't even get me started. Okay. Um, so the so the what we witnessed with Russia, I believe, was a great test balloon, and the test balloon was to see if we could get the West, the United States, and certainly Europe, all riled up about. LGBTQIAAP and gay, basically gay rights. This is what it's all, and and I don't believe in gay rights. I believe in everyone's a human, and you, I, sh- I should have just as many straight rights or heteroflexible rights or whatever. Gay rights is bullshit to me. It's just another thing. I don't like. I don't like that at all. It's like hate crime. It's a crime. You know. You know I, I committed okay, okay, the crime we without get your hate. Opinion. We figured it out. Go on. 
If I'm boring you already, you know, you can go figure no, you're it out for yourself. you're not boring me, but you're, you're, you're trying to, you're just, you're taking a dissociating what seems like you got a trend that you want to talk about, but now you're making excuses for yourself. No. I want to hear about the story. It's important because we always have new listeners and they need to understand where we're coming from. So this started for me with a, 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 an amazing new report only days after we had that douchebag from the Southern Poverty Law Center, POTOC, talking about um, you know, how uh, so many hate groups, ever since the black man in the White House, everyone wants to kill him. And now all of a sudden he's back. Now this is suspicious to me. I'm like, wait a minute, he's back in the news and with a new story. That hate groups are down 19%. Down, I tell you. That's just the opposite of what he said. It, it, down 90%. And so I, I had in to... one week? All, well, he needed to be in the news, and it was this report that led me to the next report, which led me to the what's really going on and how the gay, just gay, let's call it, everyone just this LGBTQ, you're all gay. The, the, the gay community is being abused by the Democratic Party, and I'm going to show you how this is happening. So first, we got to listen to this report, um, and I think this this might be with uh, I forget who was who was with. Uh, let let's see. first Thanks talk about the analysis here that that you've seen this reversal after, and, and we've talked in the past. It seemed year after year these numbers were ticking up after the election of the first black president. I love how she she, she, she even says it right there. That's Melissa Harris Perry, I think, by the way, who is black. That's true. They were growing based very largely on antipathy to Obama personally and to what he really represented, which was the demographic change that's going on in this country. Uh, the coming over the next 30 years loss of a white majority. Uh, the, the growth was absolutely spectacular for four years. <laughs> Great for business. Uh, but I think what really happened in part was uh, when the radical right saw Obama reelected. Listen very carefully to the words he's saying. The radical right saw Obama reelected uh, after so much effort on their part as well as uh, other forces in the political arena to kind of dethrone Obama uh, at this point their reaction was one of real deflation of dejection they had done everything they could they did not expect to see Obama reelected and yet he was uh, and at the same time of course things like same-sex marriage uh, are advancing very rapidly Games. and all of that I think is really dismaying to these groups in your report you identify what you say is, quote, patriot extremist groups. How do you describe or define those groups? Okay, so this now maybe this is starting to shape in your mind what I was hearing. He's saying, oh, it's down because the radical right saw the re-election, making the radical right, I guess, a political, uh, politically minded. Um, also gays, oh, they saw the gay thing happening. They're, they're oh, we're distraught. So they're disheartened. Disheartened. They're on the decline, though. Now, let's, let's going to describe who this is. we got them on the run. Yes. Who are they? The Patriot Groups, that is their own name uh, for themselves. Patriot Groups or Christian Patriot Groups are Christian. what we all used to call militias mm. uh, back in the 1990s. Uh, they are a group that, uh, they are a, a movement, really, that is unified mainly by a conspiracy theory. The idea that the government <laughs> is secretly plotting to impose yes. martial law, yes. uh, to take Americans' guns away from them, to uh -huh. throw anyone who resists into uh, concentration camps uh, that have been built by FEMA secretly and ultimately <laughs> to force the United States into a kind of socialistic one-world government. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that sounds like a lot of by people. Way, by the way, 
I like the way he puts these together because the because we have to we have a people listening to the news. Christian militia mm-hmm. is like a term in and of itself Thank that you. applies to the Africans. Uh, uh, wait, wait, uh, don't move too fast. I want I want to get there. You are you are almost there. But first, we have to go to the next gay news story, which was, of course, SB 1062 in Arizona. Another storm in a teacup. I don't. We don't even need to discuss what it was about because uh, it's been vetoed. It's not going to happen. But the message was: Arizona hates gays. What do you do? You got to bring out the number one left wing gay guy we know, who everybody loves, by the way, and is a part of Hollywood. That can only be one guy. Yes, you may guess. Ronald Reagan Jr. Oh, so close. Oh, it wasn't. Nope. George Takai of oh, Hey Now. No, Ronald Reagan Jr. would have been better. No, no, no. Because Takai, he is the one that clued me into what's really going on. Here it comes. George Takai joins me here in the studio. This, by the way, is Ronan um, Farrow. Ronan Farrow is gay. Hello, Ronan Farrow. I didn't know that. No, I don't know if he's gay, but this is Ronan Farrow, his show. Well, this sounds is his, like him. His new MSN. He's a pretty boy, by the way. His new MSNBC show. You can tell, you know, Frank Sinatra was his dad, by the way. It's so obvious. Yeah. Give me yeah. a break. The ugly, ugly Woody, Har- Woody Harrelson. Woody, Woody. Okay, please. Oh, thank you so much for coming, sir. Well, thank you for this invitation and congratulations on your new show. Uh, thank you so much. I'm a big fan of yours. And this was well, a, a letter. Big fan. This Hollywood. Big fan. Big fan. That moved a lot of people. Tell me how you felt when you read the language of this bill, which contemplates essentially kicking yourself and your partner out of places of business. My husband. Your, your, your my husband. Hu- what, my husband. Uh, what was the reaction that you had? It was. But for First of all, it was absolute astonishment, and then my blood started to boil. Boy, and boy, we, you know, we love Arizona. We have many, many friends there. Brad was born in Phoenix, Arizona. We have relatives there, and a beautiful state. And how can a state like that pass something this ugly? Uh, the uh, both houses of the legislature passed it, and it's filled with right-wing extremist religious uh, Republicans. There you go. Finally. Okay, George, thank you for pointing it out. Christian, religious, right-wing Republicans. Now we go to Africa, and this is what I've been waiting for, and we find the movie, the documentary, which is, of course, I don't even have to tell you who paid for this. It is the usual suspects. They're all in there, all the NGOs. It's called God Loves um, Uganda. And I'm just going to play a little bit of the trailer, and you'll hear what is going on here. Something frightening is happening in Uganda. I foresee a lot of death. The fire has already been set, and I think it is important to trace it back where it is coming from. So the fire has been set. It's important to trace it back. Where is this gay hate in Uganda coming from? Well, the International House of Prayer began in 1999. We have about a thousand full-time staff. We're called to be a missionary people. I believe the Lord is calling me to, to pray for a great missionary force. America's not yet done sending her sons and daughters to bring the gospel to the nations. Most of these young people, it's a time to have an adventure. But the poor African listening to them think that's how things should be. 
the Bible say, okay, all sex outside of marriage is wrong. So adultery is wrong, fornication is wrong, acts of homosexuality are wrong. Homosexuality does not benefit the society. All right, so you can watch all that uh, trailer on your own, but what is being said and what is now all, is going to be all over the news is that the fundamental Christians, i.e. the crazy Christian Republicans, are responsible for all the gay hate, specifically the International House of Prayer and Scott Lively. And Scott Lively is a Tea Party spokesman. He ran for governor of Massachusetts. He's the guy who's uh, uh, challenging the president on uh, on Uganda. They are holding him up as responsible, not just for Africa. He apparently also went to Russia in 2007 and taught everybody that they need to be against gays. And the whole plan... Because believe me, no one in the government cares about you if you're gay... The whole plan is for you to hate Republicans more. The gun thing didn't work out that well. The war on women didn't work out that well. But hey, they want to kill gays in Africa because of a Republican. <laughs> Watch it. I guarantee you. It, it's, it's the Arizona thing. Oh, it's crazy Christian religious uh, uh, Republicans who hate gays. It's Africa, crazy Christian Republicans who hate, hate gays. And they're in America. The whole thing is against the Republican Party. You are being misused once again. Yeah, that sounds. That's a good analysis. I like it. I and, think there's some more going on in the Alec, African side. Alec of it Baldwin. Too, the Chiners have to hold be on, involved. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Muslims have to hold be on, involved. Hold on. Alec Baldwin's a part of the a part of the scam, John. Did you read the essay? That's why it's yes, of course. Why he's I'm I'm leaving public life because people think I hate gays. This is this is all part of it. He's he is a brilliant guy, by the way. He's brilliant. He's always he's always got some commercial angle, and I'm pretty sure that this essay of oh I, I love gays, I how can I be how can people think I hate gays is just to point out that you know you, you can't hate gays or you will have to go away out of public life. That's what his essay is about. Uh, I like that. That's your ten pointer right there. Thank you. And we can just wait for it. And again, people... If you hate gays... You're a Republican. You will be shunned. No, if you're a Republican... That's why... No, that, I, think you could, I think it traces... Let's just wrap it around. Let's make a circle out of this. The LGBTQT blah, 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 blah. Like you said, either you're one of them or... You're a Republican. You're a Republican homophobe. <laughs> yes. You don't want to be in that camp of being a Republican And notice, homophobe. there's well, no... Well, they've done a great job of it. I mean, they use the guns not because they want to Turn your to speakers up a little. Turn your speakers up a little. You're not hearing me when I'm interjecting. I know maybe oh, it's I'm, I'm hearing you, but I'm... Oh, uh, okay. I just I wanted to say... Hear, hear. I just wanted to say there's no R in LGBTQQIAAP. Huh? Coincidence? I think not. I would say that I think you're on to something, and it's again, but I think it's part of the bigger picture, which we already identified, which is to make the, the gun thing was designed to get the women yep. to uh, to move over, mm-hmm. get, uh, get them out of the Republican Party. This is more designed to get, you know, the, I don't know who who's going to. Someone the, was brilliant when they came up with the strategy. No, it's a great strategy, but I don't know who's going to change sides because of the strategy, because I think they've already moved everybody over i don't think there's a republican left it, oh no you know, a republican who no 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 it, it's all theater of the mind it's just it, no one's going to know the difference it's just it, it, it's now 
the die has been cast, the mold has been set. If you're a Republican, you hate gays. Done. That's it. You're, if you're a Republican, you must be a religious nut. This is every, John, everywhere I go in this town, whenever the, the term, whenever a Republican comes up, it's always equated, certainly in Texas, with religious nut. Right. Always. Yeah. I mean, religious, gun-toting, uh, uh, women-hating because, you know, we, we don't want women to have control over their bodies. Religious, crazy, gay-hating nut. And a lot it's, of the gays I know here are Republicans, actually. But that's, There's a but, lot of gay Republicans. That's the irony of yeah, this, of course. But yeah. that can't be discussed. No. No. Um, yeah. No, I think they've done a great job of painting painting the Republicans as all these negative things. And the Republicans have done a piss-poor job of countering it. Yeah. Piss-poor. Well, but you, that's almost a no-win situation, because what are you going to do? No, some of my best friends are LGBTQIA. You can't do that. That doesn't no, you work. you can't do anything. You can't say, there's nothing to say. It's done. They, they This is dog-eat-dog. They, they have to discredit. Look, no one cares about wiretapping, NSA. No one gives a crap about that. Gays. We care about our gays here in America. Mickey is laughing her ass off. She's the most homophobic country that she's ever been in. America is now pretending to be the super gay-friendliest place on Earth. It's like Disneyland for gays. Now, this is, this is heresy. All right. Well, I take it back what I noted. My thinking was is that the Ugandan news was, and it was presented to us as such, was yes. just a distraction. But yes. if it's part of a deeper scheme, which is what you're thinking, which mm -hmm. I would have to agree with because you have too much evidence, you've pounded me into submission, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> no pun and, intended. Uh, I still think it's, it's a useful tool in Uganda because you just say, that guy's gay, shoot him, and then you get rid of a political opponent. He eated a poo-poo. And uh, it's very easy to deal with. But, okay. Yeah, no, of course So we'll keep is. an eye on this, but I think the Republicans have been... I've never seen anything quite like it, how, how poorly they've, you know, they bring it back to, you know, economic things and stuff like, they can't even do that now because no. they dug such a big hole at George Bush. It's, it, I don't, is there even a, a headquarters for the Republican Party? Does it even exist anymore? It, it makes, it's, they might as well just give it up, throw in Why the don't towel. they just give, the, when Obama finishes his eight years, mm -hmm. he should just hand the keys over to Hillary. Why bother wasting money on an election? Yeah. And, and and this, of course, is happening now because of the midterm election. We have elections coming up in November. We can't have Republic. This is a desperate move, and they will abuse anybody to keep control of or gain more control, more power. It's a desperate, desperate move, and you're just going to see more and more of this. And 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 quite frankly, I'm astonished that the religious community puts up. Do you know how much grief if we just discuss religion? If we just, not even giving our own opinion, just discussing the options that are out there. Oh my gosh. There we go. Taking the Lord's name in vain. The amount of emails I get. You pissed me off when you were talking. You don't think God could make this? Like, please, people. <clears throat> You're fighting the wrong guy. You need to be fighting the, the, the Democrats who are vilifying anyone who believes in God. Crazy Christian, right? Because yeah, they are the fighting president. the wrong guys, and they're fighting our show. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it really, it's 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 disturbing. We have this one guy who keeps. I haven't heard from him for a while, but he's like a he religiously listens to the show, 
And then he he never donates, never helps, doesn't have any oh, positive yeah, you, thing you to contribute. Right, right, right. And he sends a note in every uh, about once every yeah. sixty days. I ref- I would re- I was about to donate. It's always the same. <laughs> and that's the I guy. I was about to donate. <laughs> and then all but- of a sudden, Adam. It's always me, by the way. Yeah, it is always you. Always me. But. Your partner, Adam Curry, once again took the Lord's name in vain, which you don't do, by the way. And I always apologize. You cuss. I mean, you swear and you you, you spit venom, yeah. but you don't really use the Lord's name in vain. If I do, then I apologize. You'd never do it. Not anymore. So, but that's okay. He's apparently saying anything. A-hole. You know, if you, you use the word right. uh, screwball, I don't know what he thinks that this would do. But anyway, so he sends this nasty note. It's always anonymous. It's always gotten the postmark is from some, you know, it's from, you can't tell where it's from. Uh, there's no return address or anything. You know, it's just, okay, fine. Yeah. Every show, I guess, has one of these guys. Yeah. But again, I think you're dead on. They are fighting the wrong people. They do, yeah. they're wasting anyone who writes us about religion, wasting your time, or even gayness. They're, <laughs> they're writing. The, they should be writing to somebody that uh, well that gives a crap about their feelings on this because right. they're wasting their time. <clears throat> did and you they're see, going after <clears throat> the wrong people? Did you see that uh, that tweet that I received? It was kind of funny. But just uh, now? No, and it was yesterday, and and this is in re- in relation to I guess the guy who was doing this just heard our thing about Pussy Riot, and of course you know Pussy Riot. By the way, they're back, so they were in America, so they were they got out of jail, went to America, got fired from the band, then they were on stage with Madonna in New York at Amnesty International. Then two weeks later, a- amazing, Russia lets them back into the country so they can be arrested again. Uh, okay, and beaten by Cossacks, it, and beaten by so you know. Of course, we were laughing about the uh, about the video, the music video they were uh, creating, and uh, the, you know that oh he boy he really whipped her hard, and then of course nothing happened. And this guy, I won't I won't give you his Twitter name because screw him. He's got riffraff three followers. Um, uh, why would you you know what I do? I just immediately block those. No, guys. because it's funny. Adam Curry is a heartless bastard, a self-congratulatory, racist, anti-Semitic, patriarchal, and superficial conspiracy idiot. Hashtag no agenda. <laughs> well, he, well, at least he's good at summarizing. Yeah. Like, wow. And that's all because uh, that's all. Yeah, why was, why was that put on, into one bowl like that? Because I laughed about Pussy Riot being whipped. Oh yeah, no, the guy's crazy. Pussy Riot thing was such a fraud. <laughs> so obvious. It's such an and obvious everybody's scam. running it on all the news channels. Yeah, same video. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I just want to complete my list. We we finished House of Cards season two. Yeah, Mimi finished it too. And I, I got, want- let me tell you what she said. I didn't see. It. I'm going to see it when I feel like it. But can I? I'm going to throw something at you. I want you to tell me if this might be a correct analysis. Mm-hmm. She says it seems as if the story did end, but she seems that they they did a lot of leaps of faith in the middle of it to move the story along faster and faster, as if they were actually planning from the from the get go from the very origins of the show to do three seasons and do a three season arc. But that but because Spacey, and I've I've heard him talk about this, he just looks at the his time. You know, a lot of time and money is spent on this that he could be, be that could be better spent. He runs a theater in England, the old Vic. He does a lot of movies. He can make more money doing movies. That they said no, we're doing two, so they rushed the story along, and you felt that there should have been a third season, and they 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 jammed it into this one. 
Uh, there could easily be a third season. I don't want to spoil anything. There could easily be a third season. Uh, I still liked it. I thought it was a great piece of work. Um, uh, I have no idea what his deal is. I think he got a lot of money for this. Uh, I think for the 13 hours, if he had done six movies, which would be about 13 hours, I think he would have gotten a lot more money. Well, if it's a hit movie. This is kind of guaranteed. The only thing, I, I just want to list the uh, the prestitutes who all uh, contributed as actors in this uh, series. Oh, yeah. Uh, these are the people, of course, you couldn't trust them anyway, but they uh, they should, their credentials, should they should be stripped of their credentials. Uh, Ashley Banfield, Candy Crawley, Major Garrett, Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes, Chris Matthews, Joe Scarborough, all of you are prostitute actor whores. And you are not allowed to. You should be stripped of your journalistic credentials. If you I think, think it's Hannity oh, was in the first series, and Hannity, I'm sorry, is Hannity was in there as well. You're right. It's, it's, it's um, it just shows, and it's they're exactly like they are on their on their new show because they are actors. That's it. There's nothing more or less. Yeah, to no, it. I, I can't argue with that. And they should be stripped of their credentials. Major Garrett, really, Major Garrett. How do you name a kid Major? I know. I know. You can imagine if. You really got to be pretty sure your kid's never going into the military if you name him Major. You know, it can't be Sergeant yeah, it Major. Be major, Major. Sergeant Major, 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 General Major. What's your minor, Major? <laughs> all right, that's yeah, all. Yeah, I'm not going to argue about that. I think uh, that, but I want that harkens me back. Somebody did send the clip. We, I didn't, I didn't chop it up to use it on the show today. Of Michael Savage bitching about the native advertising that he was presented with. Mm, yeah, you that you, ended up. Yeah, you talked I'm, about it. That ended up on Hannity. On Hannity. Yeah, and uh, Hannity still now he's like he's doing fundraising for the Tea Party Patriots, which is one of these groups, and and it's like a it's a conflict with his Fox. Uh, TV show, but he says, no, it's for the radio show, as if there's, you know, he's not... Right. This as if there's crap. some difference, yeah. So that Fox doesn't know what to do with this guy because he's completely out of control and he's just grabbing as much money as he can because he's get, he's just, I think he's going to retire or quit or something or run for office. I have no idea where this guy's headed, but it's he's completely off the, the rails. Hannity? Yeah. Don't we, do we still have SeanHannity.com? Is that still our website? Yeah, I think so. Let me just check it. You'd think that they would... Uh, SeanHannity.com is forwarding to No Agenda Show. Perfect. Yeah. yeah you think work. he could have bought it from us by now. <laughs> well, we don't own it. Someone else owns it. Well, they bought yeah. it from someone. Oh, hold on a second, John. Oh, oh, my goodness. It's just in. John, we have breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah. An another dog story. This is Yoda. He's drowsy, a little disoriented, and let's face it, looks a little goofy. His tongue sticks out like, like he's institutionalized. But he's actually not high, something Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald is seeing more and more of. We're definitely seeing, you know, more than one a week. Since January 1st, the clinic says dogs are getting into their owner's supply of pot. <laughs> so the, the kid eating the pot cookie didn't work. Hold on, oh, wait, stop. <laughs> it didn't go over. How does a dog roll a joint in the no, first place? No, 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 it's the edibles. Specifically, edibles. What we're seeing is dogs getting into the baked products. The concern here is that, hey, my dog is baked. that edibles have a concentration of marijuana meant for controlled human consumption. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is, hold on a second. It's dogs and gays. I'm telling you, that's it. That's the strategy. Now, that's the dogs, my strategy. The main, uh, just let's be real here. 
the main edibles when it comes to, although they do sell uh, lollipops in, in Amsterdam, but the main edibles insofar as marijuana is concerned has traditionally and I think is still dominated by brownies. Mm. Brownies contain chocolate, which can kill, kill a dog. The dog. Yeah. So, so in other words, it would be the chocolate that was damaging the dog, not the dope. Yeah, but if he, they were eating brownies. But they show the dog with his tongue hanging out and he's looking yeah, all goofy. Yeah, the dog is poisoned by chocolate. <laughs> I'll tell you something. If a dog was sniffing at my weed, I'd shoot that bitch. Get off of my weed. It's just another way of misusing gays and dogs to further no, an agenda. The anti four, Boy, four to one. It's four law. to one. It's four dogs to one now, John. Four dog stories. Four dogs to four one. Four dog biscuits. Four it's DB a, over one. It's amazing. It's amazing. It, 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 I just love that people are no longer affected. It used to be the kids, you know, save the kids. Yeah, that doesn't work anymore. It used to be, you know, people like, oh, they're getting killed. It, no one cares. But dogs? Ah. Yeah, dogs are in. Yeah. Now, I want you to, I mean, just another quiz. I want you to tell me what kind of a clip, kind of a, I got a couple of clips that are just baffled me. Okay. This one here is the, there's the Boehner clip that says blah, blah, blah. This, I'm, it's only a part of the question. I didn't even play the whole thing. I just want, this is Gwen Eiffel. Uh. The, the hey, Obama, geographer, hey, geographer mm -hmm. asking, uh, bringing up an issue, and then they, they go to Boehner, a, a clip of him, and then let's just listen to this. Earned incomes over $450,000. House Speaker John Boehner would not say if the party supports the bill, and he refused to discuss the details. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> listen. <laughs> That's the best I've, I've ever heard coming out of his mouth. What was that all about? I don't know. That's uh, that was on PBS. That was the the real yeah, that story. Yeah, that was the news hour. Ah, oh, jeez. You know there were some really dumb distractions this week. I mean, like really, really dumb ones. Here's one. A head lice removal company said the number of cases has taken a big jump in the past year, and they believe lice could be spreading among teens when they lean in, touch their heads, and take selfies with their cell phones. Most teens admit that they take at least one selfie each day. Experts say what? parents need to warn kids that while those pictures might be fun, they could also have some unpleasant consequences. What? Yeah, because I know, I know, I know. That is the stupidest story ever. No, no, this is the stupidest story ever. As if learning her phone had been tapped by the NSA was not bad enough, now German Chancellor Angela Merkel has the distinct dishonor of trending on Twitter over what looks like a Hitler mustache and a photo she took while standing next to the Prime Minister of Israel. This was such an interesting story to me um, because, of course, we have a Jew standing next to a Nazi. Let's just say it. You know, this is what everyone is, ha, 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 ha. And uh, the Israeli blogs, they were laughing. It was so hilarious. Whereas, really, it's shameful. It is shameful that this is humor because we pull the Nazi card for everything and everybody. Nazi this. Assad is a Nazi. This guy's a Nazi. They're all Nazis. They're fucking Nazis. But then when you have a German chancellor who, by the way, is pretty much leading Europe, and it may even be Photoshop, but let's say it's true, and then you get the Jew guy, ha, 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 
pointing his finger and looks like a Nazi mustache. This is supposed to be the funniest thing, and all media is on it. Shameful. The Jerusalem Post snapped this photo of Merkel with Benjamin Netanyahu as they marked 50 years of diplomacy between their two nations. But the photographer happened to take the picture just as Netanyahu lifted his finger, casting a rather unfortunate shadow across the chancellor's upper lip. It did not take long for the shot to go viral, with some labeling it the most awkward political photo in history. Yeah. I've, I, you know, it's such a double standard. I'd find this a huge insult. A huge insult coming from Europe. It's just... It's, I'm not going to argue. I want to say I haven't. You know, draw, anyone draws a mustache on Obama, a little Hitler mustache. Oh you yeah, get arrested. Out of control. You get thrown in jail. You can't do this. This is horrible. But this is fun. And I was particularly disappointed by the Jewish blogs, the, Isra- the Israeli blogs, I should say. They thought this was so hilarious. Okay, that's fine. But then when something else right, happens, is, we got to find I'm looking hilarious. at one of these things here. This has been boosted. There's no doubt about it. Well, the the shadow has definitely been boosted. Yes. Well, the shadows of her, you know. Ah, forensic analysis with John C. Dvorak. Here we go. It's it, the it, shadows don't make sense any place else except over her right across her nose. And shadows are never black. I don't. It, no. Under no circumstances no. are they black. They're always grayish. And this one is ridiculous. So somebody, it's easy to do. You move it, you take one of the channels, it's got this, you know, you just fool around with channels and one of them will, one of them will, or, or curves. There's all kinds of settings on Photoshop that would push this thing up. And by the way, if you, if I'm looking at um, pictures, if you do a Google image search, I'm seeing uh, different versions of this picture. Interesting. If you look at the Reddit uh, where the flag is di- is in a different position. There's at least four different versions of this picture. Where she's for four different people. Oh yeah, and she's leaning in differently. And I, I'm I'm thinking the shadow is bullshit. I'm I, I'm with you on this. This makes no sense. Yeah. So we're looking at a Photoshop so, job. Yeah. But what? But who are we? Was this meant to um, humiliate Merkel? Yeah. It's disgusting. I think so. This it's so infantile. This is the level that the that we've gotten to now in our media. Ha ha ha. They were talking about fifty years of working together. Ha ha ha. It's still Jews and Nazis. <laughs> that's what that's the media for you. Sad. Yeah, I'm looking at DC, yeah. And then they go, of course, if you really dig out, you have a picture of her with a Heil Hitler salute. And- <laughs> well, see, it's, uh, it's okay, but whenever we laugh about other things, when the president says Heil everybody, you know, I get loads of, oh, you, you, you're pulling you're up disrespecting World War, disres- the president. disrespecting the president. He says Heil everybody. Come on, and you can hear it. We know, what he, we know what's going on. So I just found that to be sad, really, sad. I would like to. I'd like to find the original. Too bad I don't see the original version. I mean, some, the guy who originally took the picture is the one who did the original Photoshop job because there's no right. evidence of. Right. Yeah, they just boosted something and bingo, there it is. Especially this one shot is so well lit from every direction yeah. oh, that yeah. there's no way. Yeah. That you would have that shadow black black shadow. Yeah. 
And then, yeah. yeah. That's the dumbest thing. Yeah. Okay, you got the dumb. It's not <laughs> clip of the day. No, it's not clip of the day. How about this one, though? Um, so I do want to go back to Africa for a moment because, of course, you know, we, we are keeping our eye on Africa and then how are we going to kick the Chinese out and take over anything that they've built? And uh, do you remember, uh, well, of course you do, IBM's Watson? Of course I do. Okay. Uh, how did Watson do in America after it basically had won at Jeopardy? And then kind of nothing really happened. They didn't really well, get any big contracts. To, they, they, we knew that they were going to turn Watson into a product. He, yeah, right. A healthcare product, which really didn't work that well. I don't think no, they've this sold is it. A, they have not sold it to anyone. By big. the way, in the 80s, there were these things called expert systems. And they and, and, and there was a huge artificial intelligence binge mm -hmm. that was around uh, eight, the early 80s. That's the, the, the first version of big data. Yeah, kind AI, of. AI, AI. It's going to be so artificial So they had all these ideas, and right. they all failed. Right. And one of them was a doctor that would diagnose your conditions. But that's actually taken its rightful place as WebMD uh -huh. and these other websites. And I guarantee go there with some symptoms, and it always ends up the same. It's like because of legal issues. <laughs> you go, well, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. Oh, well, you should consult your physician yeah, because we can't tell you what you've got because we'll be liable right, and right, sued right, and right. we'll die. Right. So this this useless crap. And so they Watson was hoping to do an end run around it but and maybe a nurse. But you, but you still would have to have somebody there to... Uh, so, right. So, the, so IBM, um, and you're about to hear a report with uh, IBM Africa. Uh, this is actually, it's from Bloomberg, but the guy you'll hear talking is from IBM Africa. Uh, they found a market. They have found, <laughs> they found a market for Watson in Africa. It's only going to cost uh, some countries there $100 million. This is a great sale. This guy at IBM Africa, he's on a fast track to uh, sit with the white people in the boardroom. I'm telling you, hang in there, buddy. IBM began rolling out its Watson supercomputer system across Africa this week. It's called Project Lucy. Project Lucy, by the way, is what it's called. This is even Project Lucy. And will take 10 years and 100 million US dollars to implement. The system uses artificial intelligence that can analyze huge amounts of data. <laughs> Although it hasn't been that successful in the United States, IBM hopes Africa will be different. Now, what do you think uh, the business is that Watson will be in over this 10-year period for hundreds of millions of U.S. dollars. Well, it wouldn't be... Big uh, remember, big data and artificial intelligence. I would say it wouldn't be medical because no, that would be no. too obvious. No. It would be a useful... You got to gotta think scam. You gotta think oh, sc total scam, not just intelligence <laughs> no, gathering? Just, no, just, you got to just think scam. Oh, you're going to have to tell me. With Watson, Africa is going to become the cognitive continent of the world. Okay. Africa really has no choice but to embrace cognitive. What? Cognitive. Listen, cognitive. Otherwise, governments will have to look for that extra billions of dollars. What Watson is going to do is to create new markets. It's going to create new markets. Through cognitive computing. Through cognitive computing. IBM says the technology will enable poorer parts of Africa to leapfrog some development stages, much the same way mobile phones took off across the continent in places where landlines were scarce. 
smartphones will also play a huge role in connecting with the Watson system through smartphone apps <laughs> that could potentially be hugely beneficial for education. Okay, so I'll just, I'll explain it a little. Through cognitive computing and big data and artificial intelligence, Watson is going to gather all this data and find new markets for the Africans, very much like the mobile phone market. It will find new markets and present these. It, uh, basically, you install Watson in your country, and it goes, and it spits out a piece of paper that says, you should be in and it, this market, and it'll tell you what it should be. You should be in plastics. And they're buying it. Do you know that in Nigeria, 10 to 15 million kids have never stepped foot in a classroom? Yeah. What does that mean? It means that we've got to think outside of the box. Ah, we need new... What? new this, is the, this is the IBM Africa guy. Cognitive computing. We've got to think out of the box. Hey, people are... <laughs> hey, Adam. Yeah. Hey, Adam. Yes. These guys down the street, they're beating each other up. Think out of the box. they're shooting each other. We've got to think outside of the box. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking outside of the box that's anywhere near the shooting. The, uh, hello, 1980 is calling Africa. We want, we want our memes back. Approaches to uh, content delivery. Okay. The traditional brick and mortar won't work. <laughs> this guy literally went this to that website. Like, yeah. He went to that website. He said, "Free crash." We got to think out of the box. Brick and mortar won't work. We need new, new approaches to uh, content delivery. New approaches to content delivery. Okay. The traditional brick and mortar won't work. Think out of the box. While Watson's potential is undeniable, undeniable, it will take time to implement the system across the continent and time to see if it's viable or just another pipe dream. Another pipe dream. It's another pipe dream. Yeah. Hello, Africa. You're getting ripped off. Don't fall for it. That sales guy is, well, maybe it works in Africa. We should take our old sales pitches and recycle them in Africa like we do our old computers. Yeah. Where's that PowerPoint I had on... Uh... Brick and mortar. That is literally from 1992. Oh, brick and mortar is all over. Yeah, it hasn't quite yet evolved to click and mortar. Oh, wow. Yeah, we could introduce that. Unreal. I'm sorry, Africa. I got to go to Africa. I really got to go. We got to go. Uh, you'll find it's very entertaining. Well, of course, I lived there for a while, but I don't remember much You're of it. You a kid. Yeah. yeah. Who was saying that, that... Uh, was that a clip that I had? Someone was talking about it being the worst ever. Maybe that was the Carrie stuff. Maybe it was Andrea Mitchell. She was talking about you know, how was the you know Syria was the worst ever. No, it's not. Have you heard of Rwanda? There's so much madness. I got another going on. clip of a weird thing where a guy said the guy. This is a guy that was on this is on CCTV, the Chinese outlet, and. And this is one of these guys who's obviously been trained. It's like, uh, oh, that's a great question. You uh -huh. just kind of re retort. Mm -hmm. But this one here, I now I think about. It, I think I've heard this before. And I, it's a it's a non sequitur. When somebody asks you a question, you say this, and but, you, this is the lead into it. This yes. Is the, yeah. The weird. Yeah. The weird clip. Yeah. Weird use. Yeah. yeah. I got it. But yet, it comes with a balance of trying to grow the economy and facilitate uh, robust uh, growth and manufacturing. So how does one strike that balance? Definitely. Um, so there <laughs> That's what Zuckerberg always says. How do you say, what, if I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, Adam, but so what did you do last night? Definitely. We had an early night. And, <laughs> Why would you say that? I don't know, right? 
that you got to add that. Definitely, we had an early night, right? <laughs> it's the crazy speak. Zuckerberg says definitely a lot. I've noticed him using that. So maybe a valley thing. You know, before we go into break, there was um, actually it was quite a. Let me see if do I have that here? Um, there was uh, well, crap, Ola. Where did I put this now? Well, if you don't have that, I got a clip. I, there's something yeah. screwy going on in Egypt, and I'm predicting right here and now that this last episode of this turnover yeah. of government is going to happen again because there's, these people are just ruining the country, whatever's going on. This clip I have, which is the farmland issues, mm -hmm. uh, under uh, weird farmland issues, mm -hmm. it, when you listen to it, essentially what happened since 2011 is that there's a, a limited number of farmlands. This is a backgrounder on the whole agricultural scene in Egypt and the government response to the problem which is people are just moving into the agricultural area and, and making it so people are going to starve to death here in the Nile Delta, these fields produce around half of Egypt's agricultural crops. But these fertile farmlands are shrinking fast as a building boom is underway. Since the 2011 revolution, the number of homes built illegally on farmland has risen exponentially. Egypt's population has grown by 4 million in the past three years, and more people means more houses are needed. Farmers here say around 20% of the Delta's arable land has been lost since 2011. People went down and built on the farmland intensively and there was no one to bring them to account. So of course after the revolution there were a lot of complaints regarding the farmland. There is a law prohibiting construction on valuable agricultural land, but the government says it's nigh on impossible to enforce. It's, it's not possible to be done by law, by force. It has to be uh, a society uh, movement rather than a police movement. Who was that? What? So what he says, this guy is one of the, is the attorney general or something, says, ah, yeah, there's a law against it, but there's nothing we can do. Right. Yes, there is. You get a bulldozer <laughs> and you bulldoze these places. But no, they say, no, no, the law, yeah, there's a law, and, but we can't enforce it. And there has to be a popular movement. People have to you know, take up arms to get these people off these agricultural properties. Yeah. This is corruption. What? There's corruption <laughs> in Egypt? Oh, no. And you remember when the first Egypt thing began, mm -hmm. it was really, and we, we kind of always forgot about this. We don't bring it up much. It was over the price of wheat. Yes. And they couldn't, yes, couldn't yes. get bread. Couldn't get, yeah, they couldn't eat. Couldn't 80 eat. million they were people. pissed yeah. off. Yeah, 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 I do remember. Anyway. Mm. Uh, uh, Bill Moyer's show. He's on PBS. This is our national television treasure. Uh, they have commercials every 15 minutes. So this is not like some... Uh, they pretend to look like they're all good on the up and up. And he had on a guy who wrote an essay. His name is Mike Lofgren. Mike Lofgren was a Republican congressional aide. And uh, let me see. What do we have in his wiki? American, former Republican U.S. congressional aide, uh, 28 years a congressional staff member. Uh, and he wrote for um, BillMoyers.com an essay titled Anatomy of the Deep State. And uh, like you would expect from PBS, it is essentially bashing the Republican Party that they have made uh, the Congress or the U.S. government inoperable, which is also kind of by design, but okay, whatever. But what he brings up is how amazing it is that without any movement from Congress, we uh, 
uh, took over Libya. You know, we have terrorists funded by us going into Syria. Uh, the president can kill people, including Americans, with drone strikes. So it's, it's an interesting essay. And uh, Moyers had him on and had him explain this concept of deep state. And I wanted to play uh, two clips from this uh, interview. Talk a little bit more about the nexus, the connection between the national security state and Wall Street, because this is a theme that runs through your essay. Do you know that about 30 blocks north of here, there is a restaurant that will sell you a truffle for $95,000. This is, sounds also like Bill your, Gates, by the way. It's, well, it sounds like Bill Gates and Charlie Rose, actually. <laughs> if, you look, yeah, if, you listen, exactly. if you listen to this, it's almost like... Tell me about this sexuality. It's in your DNA. And I've cut out a lot of pauses from this guy, by the way, because he was a little annoying on that. New York. Uh, Christie's sold at auction a painting by Francis Bacon for 142. He's also a little bit of a Berkeley Hummer, if you notice, a painting. Yes, million. Now, a parallel situation with the national security state, the NSA spent $1.7 billion to build a facility in Utah that will collect one yottabyte of information. This is new for me, by the way, the concept of a yottabyte. Have you heard of the Yatabite? Yeah, I have. I okay. have heard of the uh, Yatabite. That's as much like, information as has ever been written in the history of the world. It costs $400 by the time the Pentagon finishes paying contractors to haul one gallon of gasoline into Afghanistan. He's completely the male version of Jill Abramson of the New York Times. So, so he's, he's, I like what he's saying here. That's a real extravagant amount of money. In both cases of the national security state and the corporate state, they are sucking money out of the economy. As our infrastructure collapses, uh, we have a tinker toy power grid that goes out every time there's inclement weather. <laughs> That's a great one, by the way, tinker toy power grid. Um, tens of millions of people are on food stamps. We incarcerate th more people than China, an authoritarian state with four times our population. Does anyone see the disparity between this extravagance for the deep state and the penury that is being forced on the rest of the country? That isn't a natural uh, evolution. Something made it happen. We're having uh, a situation where the deep state is essentially out of control. It's unconstrained. Since 9-11, we have built the equivalent of three pentagons mm. around the D.C. metropolitan area holding defense contractors, intelligence contractors, and government civilians involved in the military-industrial complex. There are over 400,000 contractors, private citizens, who are, have top secret security clearances. I thought that was a, a nice little overview of the deep state, of the, of the craziness. Yeah. And then he did something which was close to my heart, and he showed how Silicon Valley is completely complicit. Talk a little bit about what you call this strange relationship. 
You know, I got to do that again. I got to play those back to back because he and Charlie Rose are just as creepy. Well, let me see if it. Tell me about this sexuality. It's in your DNA. Talk a little bit about what you call this strange relationship <laughs> between Silicon Valley and the government. And, and, th and this is important because Silicon Valley, and in particular Apple with this go-to fail, gets such a pass from the press. It's disgusting. How it fits into the deep state. Well, the National Security Agency could not do what it does. The CIA could not do what it does without Silicon Valley. Now, Silicon Valley, unlike the defense contractors, mostly sells to private individuals and to companies. It's not a, a big government vendor. However, its uh, services are necessary and De facto, they have become a part of the NSA's operations. I'm sure the CEOs of some of these companies try to obscure the fact that this has mostly been voluntary for many years. You mean the surveillance? The surveillance. The gathering of information on unknowing citizens. Absolutely. For commercial purposes, though. Precisely. They've done it themselves. And they've assisted the NSA through a FISA court order. Foreign Intelligence. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Um, so this has been going on for quite a while. Yet now, like uh, Inspector Raynaud, they are shocked, shocked <laughs> to find out. But I think their main shock is that they're now starting to lose market share in foreign countries. Yeah. Oh, good on them. At least some honesty on that PBS station. Yeah, yeah. Well, this the, the real concern everyone really has, though, is the money loss. That's all Hell anyone does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> who cares? We'll get users from somewhere else. It's all about users. Eyeballs. Eyeballs and users. If you wake up with the blues, trying to fill your day with news, there's one thing you must remember, no agenda in the morning. For a healthy, balanced news diet, try NoAgendaShow.com. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Squirrel. In the morning. All right. Let's see what we got here. We is, the, is the club open uh, again, John? You know, I forgot about the club. And well, the reason I forgot is because I got a, a, a delay notice from the contractors. These guys cannot do anything on time. So no club today. Sorry. I think it's going to be done by, by by Friday night. That's what I'm told. So you're telling me the club will be open Sunday? I'm. It better be. We're starting to lose money on this club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If we don't have any, we need to serve up some table bottle service. We got to get yeah. things moving. I know. I got a couple of people here today. They're supposed to be called up, but they'll be called up on Sunday. Eon Gar, Eon. I say Eon all the time. I would recommend trying Ian. Ian Garling in Port Angeles, Washington, one thirteen eighty. Uh, I hope this is the time a THX 1138 donation, 111380, yeah, THX. In honor of my big shista, Dame Elise Garling Jewelry, turned 33, the magic number on Wednesday, the 26th. Uh, he's a, oh. he's a, he wants a constitutional loyal chemtrails, and we've got to put Dame Elise on the birthday list. 
Oh, my goodness. Yes, we definitely have to do that. Who's a constitutional lawyer? You wanted to... There we go. All right. don't realize hold, on. hold on, hold on, karma. hold on. Hold on, roll out our karma. Yeah. We... Yeah. We don't... A lot of people don't realize that's you. Yes, that is me. Yes. That's you doing... Uh, uh, what's her name? Eleanor Ta- from... Uh, Ellen, Helen. Helen, Ellen. Sir Thomas Nussbaum. Nussbaum, yes. Nussbaum in Virginia Beach, Virginia. One eleven eleven. He's got a couple of. Uh, he's got Saint Nicole, your friend, yep. and Citizen X, who we both know. Mm-hmm. Report to Adam, Mickey, and Sir Nussbaum in room forty two. Oh, yeah, I'll make a note of that. All right. Oh, this uh, is well. He's making it rain, so it's a champagne room call. Yeah, I guess yeah. is what it would oh, be. Uh, makes sense. Champagne Room 42. Rob yeah. Van Dyke in Herpen. Yeah. Do, uh, do, uh, Holland, 111.11. He wants a pension Bob from Oz. Call my girl Patricia to the stage. She can use the exercise. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> wow. Okie dokie. Nice. Uh, I do have a note. Let me go get it. Yeah, you got to be getting these notes, man, because people get pissed off when you don't read the note. Pissed off no matter what. This is a good note. Uh, this is from D- Donald Silva, who gave a hundred from. He's in Hawaii, living it up. I want to thank you, John, for the excellent recommendation of the Kindle Paperwhite Reader. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought of getting it as I already own an iPad. <laughs> when you said you could run through books with ease, not exactly what you said. I thought that's for me. And I'm glad I got it. I prefer reading on the paper white to the iPad. I'm reading a lot more now instead of watching Netflix. Yay! Thank you for an excellent education on the news media and its deconstruction. To do this twice weekly is truly a marvelous commitment to the show and to your audience. Mahalo. <laughs> so that was worth reading. Uh, let's get through these names and we'll do uh, uh, give our knighthoods and birthdays out. Jamie Graham in Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, and she does say she loves, this is a donation, by the way, $80. And she, I have to read this one. Because donating is better than leaving a note and candy in his car while he's at work. I love my P, P-E-A, which is her, apparently her, uh, her, man, her man. Her little name for her. Aww. Friend. Oh, that's that, that is better than I agree. Yeah, you know the candy gets all melted. Yeah, or worse, <laughs> dogs eat it. <laughs> Seventy-seven forty-seven in San Jose, California, from Sir J.D. We read a note from him earlier. Frank Pugh in Tallahassee, Florida, seventy-five bucks. Alejandro Vasquez in Denver, Colorado, seventy-five. Jason Anderson, Riverside, California, seventy-five. Michael Bob. Sixty-nine. Sixty-nine, dude. Again, we have the same two, two, exactly two, two people. Only Michael two. Bowling or Bowling in Galita, two. California, and Charles Waltern in Schaumburg, Illinois. It says Schaumburg here for some reason. Vincent Veltuisen in Groningen. Felthausen in Groningen. In Groningen, where they've been. That's, that's the north of Holland. There's been so much fracking, they have earthquakes every day. Is that right? In Holland, yes. They're having earthquakes in Holland? That must be a, a thrill. 
Google earthquake north of Holland. It's, you know, it's two or three on the scale every day. It, houses are falling apart. Yeah, you can't. Those houses are, are not. Not built for earthquake country. They're not built. But those little shakers, by the way, they don't, you know, especially in California, we, we don't even notice them. But our houses are specifically built for earthquakes, and they're built of wood in a certain construction style that's for earthquakes. Yeah. So your house will shake, rattle, and roll, but. It, but it'll those sway. Houses, it sways. They're solid. Yeah, it sways a little more is what it does. Yeah, sways. they sway a yeah, lot. It sways, yeah. But those houses in Europe is, are hard. They're hard. They're solid things. And just shaking them a little bit starts to make them crack. Yeah. Right, so this is a very big problem. Very, very big. Interesting. Uh, Scott Olson, $66 in San Diego, California. Janet Houghton in McMinnville, Oregon. Cute little town. 60 Frederick Leaders in Ontario, Oregon. Robert is 60. 60 bucks. Also from Ro our friend Robert Mueller. Yeah. Oh, no. Not this the, not one. the this one, one in yeah. Chesapeake, Virginia. Hmm. Although you'd think the other Bob Mueller. Probably, Mueller probably lives here. around there. Yeah. In, in the neighborhood. No, he's, he's a different guy. Nicholas Killam in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. Double nickels on the dime. Bruno Rodriguez in Sao Paulo, Brazil, $55, and he uh, sent a really long, interesting note. He says media in Brazil is going, this is summary, uh, is going for theories against Venezuela, North Korea, and Russia, as they always do, and you're the only, one of the only sources I can find that sheds some light on the other side of the arguments. Give him yeah. the good work. Good. Give us a lot of background on Brazil, which is very yes. Always appreciated, yeah. Marta Callistrum in Portland, Oregon, $51. And these are all oh, Sir Kevin Payne in Richmond, Virginia, $50.69. These are, rest of these are $50 each from Sir Mark Fusco in San Antonio, Fusco. Texas. Fusco. Fus Fusco. Fusco. Yeah, I call him Fusco because Fusco's the guy in person. Well, he needs additional donation for some interview karma this Thursday. Sommelier night of the Noah Jenner Roundtable. All right, we do break for nights. We do give them karma when requested. You've got karma. Just had to do it. Tomas Imbrechts, I think, in Namur, Namur, Belgium, not sure. Uh, Ryan Curley in Lowborough, Leicester, Leicestershire, right? Leicestershire, 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 yeah, Leicestershire. Yeah, UK. <clears throat> Peter Totes, uh, Parts Unknown, Shad Rich. Uh, Seattle, Washington. Marcus. Cosmeric. 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 Cosmeric in Kenai, Alaska. James Bonchek in Plains, Pennsylvania. And finally, last but not least, Anders Edqvist in uh, Sweden somewhere. Huggerson? I, I, I got a percent sign or something weird. Yeah, I got a percent yeah. sign too. I should, if I'd seen it coming in, I'd, I'd remember. I, I, I also wanted to, because you sent this to me, so I figured that that means you wanted me to uh, mention it. This is from uh, Nicholas, who gave us double nickels on the dime. Uh, yeah. yeah, I sent it to you. For, yeah, well, yeah, it was fun it, to read. I think, it's, I think it's readable. It's been almost two years since my first confession, so here are my dues, good sirs. I feel no agenda has permanently changed me and my outlook on almost everything. Might be dangerous, but I don't think this is a bad thing at all. Over these two years, I've seen some no agenda theories play out almost to their completion. The Swatchi anti-gay propaganda, for one, how it controls and manipulates people. As someone who is gay, I've seen this firsthand. 
The six-week cycle is also uncanny. Although you don't cover Canada much, there have been things that are happening here recently. Uh, anyway, that before no agenda, I wouldn't question or even pay attention to. It's one thing to suspect or even read about it, but to see it happen before your eyes is something else entirely. It's almost surreal. I almost don't want to acknowledge it, but as a rational person, I see no other alternative. And so he thanks us for our, uh, for our courage and our karma. This is an educational comedy show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we give you the tools you need to get, laughs, get through laughs. without getting buffaloed and ending up in the, uh, you know, the freight train to Auschwitz. We, <laughs> we give you the tools to make people laugh at work or at church or at temple. Or get mad at you. Yeah. Which they do. So uh, that's our group today. I want to uh, remind everyone again, Dvorak.org slash NA. We do have a show coming up on Sunday. And Sundays do. have been light. Would appreciate uh, some Also, I, I think we need producers. to. Yes. We, well, we need to remind people how this works. Um, so if you're an associate or executive associate producer, go to Dvorak.org slash NA to find out what that entails exactly. Uh, but you get all of your notes read on the air all the time. Uh, we read everything, of course. We don't always have um, just the time in the in the show to read everything above uh, $50, but everything above 50 is what we present. If you are a knight, a dame, if you're a baron, um, you need to add your title to your donation uh, for a multitude of reasons, which includes checks, multiple email addresses, PayPal, all kinds of things. It's very hard for us to keep track of your title. So if you didn't hear us address you as sir or dame, that's probably because you didn't put it in your donation note. And it's not out of disrespect. It's a, this is a very small operation. Let me see. It's me. It's John, and uh, and Eric, and he's selling bags. <laughs> so, <laughs> so help us out. We we, cool we, bags, we mean no disrespect. No, they're cool. They're great bags. No, we mean no disrespect. But you really have to help us out. That's it's always you know the more people we have at the round table, I know it's like, whoa, you didn't call me sir. Like, I'm sorry, I was reading legislation. All right. Well, it's only a minority, that bitch. No, no, but it's important because we care about what everyone is doing. Yes, we do. All right. So, we're uh, a caring, caring duo. We are, <laughs> we are the caring duo. Thank you very much for your support of the Dvorak. show. slash N-A. Denise Garling, uh, luckily we found out that she turned 33, magic number yesterday. Happy birthday. Thanks for all the love that you've been giving us throughout the years. And Vincent Felshauser turns 26 today. Happy birthday from your buddies here at the best podcast in the universe. It's and then we do indeed have one knighting today. This is our uh, train guy who will tase us if we do something wrong. And I'm going to ask you, because last time you got pissed... Do you have your sword? Right. Well, yeah, because last time you used two swords and you did me out. Is that your sword that I just heard? Yeah, what do you think? I don't know. Michael Allen, please step forward, sir. You have supported the best podcast in the university in mind of $1,000 or more. Today you are an instant knight. And we'd like you to uh, come forward and kneel, sir, as I hereby pronounce the Sir Michael Allen, Knight of the Railroad Conductors and Mover of Homeless and Drunks Off Trains of the No Agenda Roundtable for you, 
Bad Science and Perky Breasts, Hookers and Blow, Rent Boys and Chardonnay, Hot Pants and Booze, Wenches and Beer, Rubenesque Women and Rosé, Geishas and Sake, Bong Hits and Bourbon, Sparkling Cider and Escorts, or maybe you just want some mutton and mead. Go to noagenonation.com slash rings and pick up, uh, well, give all your information to Eric and the rest of you can go to noagenonation.com and pick up a bag. Uh, some of those proceeds come to us. So, they're good bags. It's in the bag. <laughs> it's in the bag. Yes. I have three clips I'd like to play. Three. It's a three-peat. Well, they're all short. Okay. One's particularly short, but I, the first one is this bilateral security agreement clip, which is bilateral security agreement. This is from uh, France Van Cat, and they describe, at least I, I clipped it as short as I can, what's really what this security agreement's about. We don't talk much about it, but essentially it is to make sure that when we're in Afghanistan, and by the way, they're not going to sign off on this thing. They're hoping, now we're hoping as the Americans, we're hoping that the next guy after Karzai's out gets in and he'll sign off on it. But it's essentially to turn us into the British redcoats of the 1700s. Or all U.S. forces could pull out, leaving Afghan soldiers on their own. Washington would rather keep troops on the ground, but only if Afghanistan signs the bilateral security agreement. According to the deal, if American troops stay in Afghanistan, local courts would not prosecute them. The deal says that U.S. troops could lead anti-terrorist raids in Afghan homes once they've informed Afghan authorities. Hmm. So essentially busting into places and all the rest, and we were completely not liable for anything. So we shoot people, nobody cares. Do you know that, uh, that Karzai um, had uh, Wang Yi visit? And oh, good. Yeah, the Chiners are moving into Afghanistan. They're, they're, oh, yeah, well, they've been sitting, they've been on a perch just waiting. They've been smart about it. They, they did exactly the opposite of what, you know, what we do to them in Africa. Yeah, well, that's, in fact, that's the model the Chinese have adopted. I, when I first heard about, years ago, when I first heard about Huawei, the big Chinese uh, server, or not Router, server, but routers, routers. router company yeah. that competes with Cisco, yeah. their approach, according to a guy that worked there, mm -hmm. was they, they would follow around like a, uh, an Ericsson guy, like in Europe, this is what they did. And they do the same thing here, but they didn't get, you know, we kicked them out, so they don't do it as much. But they mm -hmm. would follow Ericsson guys who would come with these big switches for phone companies or whatever. They're multi, multi-million dollar systems. And they would just wait till the Ericsson guys leave, and they'd go in, and the deal was whatever Ericsson bid, we're 15% lower. Yeah. And that's all. That was the that was the model, and they did, they've done very well for themselves. Anyways, we nobody's talking about the BSA in, in any great detail about how they you know essentially uh, can do whatever they want while they're over there. But Pisaki had a little mention here. It says Pisaki on BSA is this clip, and she never really says much about anything except we're going to get this done somehow. But I got something else out of it. And uh, Pisaki is the uh, spokeshole for the State Department. Right. Jen. Not going to uh, leave this in the hands of President Karzai to sign and that there is the option of having a successor sign. Uh, so that is certainly a new uh, piece of information that we have not indicated in the past. Okay, so. uh, in addition, in terms of consequences, um, what we have indicated is that uh, the later it goes, the harder it is, but mm -hmm. also the uh, to plan and also the smaller it will be. All right. 
So I'm thinking, I've finally decided I'm going to start deconstructing her stuff a little more. And this next clip is the deconstruction. Mm -hmm. She has nothing but sexual innuendo <laughs> in her cute little way about her. You know, yeah. hands of uh -huh. cars. Oh, what's, yeah. hand, what's his hands doing? Uh -huh. And so I pulled this out, which right, right word for word from the other thing. Tell me there's not innuendo in this. Uh, the later it goes, the harder it is, but also <laughs> the smaller it will be. That's what she said. Hey, yo. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, just look at her. She's a yeah. sex bot. I think all those women there, including Noodleman, I think they're all sexual deviants. Well, the other one that comes in once in a while, the backup girl, Harf. Yeah, yeah the, the band camp girl. Yeah, the band camp girl. <laughs> She's obviously up to something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. on board with this thesis. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think the, all the whole State Department. They're, Could they're just, be a bunch of sex maniacs. There was, um, I got a, a two longer things. Um, this one um, has to do with uh, Sandy Hook, which, of course, you know, there's a lot going on. And the, the, every single time something pops up about Sandy Hook, we are always blown away by how nutty it is. You know, it's, it means it, you know, they, they tore down the school. There's, you know, this, everything is wrong about this whole thing. Uh, you're about to hear a, 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 a clip from the Connecticut Freedom of Information Commission. And this is literally taken from one of those committee meetings that's on like public access cable. Where yeah, can I can I stop you for a second? Sure. I want to mention to the listeners out there that we are the only podcast that I know of or broadcaster of any sort that actually played the 911 tapes. Right. Nobody would play these tapes. The tapes had had absolutely nothing on them. And it was by playing them that you realize that this, this all was all something was wrong with this picture because everyone wouldn't play the tapes. Why? Well, anyway, go on. Um, so I'm, first thing I'll do is I'll read a little bit from the Hartford Current. Um, a state task force that spent months studying how to best balance victims' privacy and the public's right to know on Friday proposed new limits on what records must be disclosed to the public under Connecticut's Freedom of Information Act. And uh, in a 15 to 2 vote Friday, the panel approved four recommendations, the most significant of which would restrict public access to crime scene media, including recordings of 911 calls, dispatch tapes, and photos or videos depicting homicide victims. Members of the public could view the media and obtain transcripts of recordings, but would be prevented from obtaining a copy. Now, um, what is interesting, uh, uh, the uh, closing of this report, the two members of the panel who voted against the report were Colleen Murphy. Executive Director of the Freedom of Information Commission and the veteran newspaper editor James Smith, and they're all on this panel. And the whole thing is about 15 minutes. I only clipped about a minute 15 from it. It's the most pertinent because what happened is, uh, and I, I think I have to tell you up front in case you can't really follow along too too well because the audio is a little crappy. They uh, are ready to vote on this um, um, this this document, and this woman, Colleen, says, "Yeah, hold on a second. Uh, but we never discussed or voted on these these four points, which basically say if anyone within the legislature, within Connecticut, does copy something, um, uh, well, she doesn't say Sandy Hook, but does copy anything under Freedom of Information Act that is now is not allowed, it is a Class D felony and you will go to jail for five years. She said, we never discussed this. And this was slipped in, and she catches it, and they and they wind up railroading it through, obviously. I frankly don't recall any discussion on any of those items. 
there, there were some documents, but no one, no one here in this room discussed any of those items that uh, Colleen is uh, referencing. We, we did not, for example, discuss that it would be a crime to uh, uh, copy a, uh, a document. It was never discussed. Uh, I, I think it was. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't recall specifically voting individually on each of these eight. I think we voted overall, uh, but I, I certainly remember conversation about each of those items. Let's take a look at the minutes. Uh, uh, Barbara, can you look at the minutes from that meeting? If you still have the floor. Well, I, I, would, I would argue that, uh, well, I would state that that's precisely my issue, the, the uh, discussion about a Class D felony. Um, was in the legislative language that was proposed, not in the concept and the concepts that were voted upon. Um, if if that had been discussed, I certainly would have had a lot to say about whether a Class D felony for that type of uh, violation of law would would be appropriate. Um, so anyway, that's the heart of my objection. I think that in recommendation two, we've gone a little bit not a little bit, quite a bit further from the concepts that, that were voted upon. So this is the executive director who's saying, this was not in the minutes, you slipped this in, we never voted on it, and in the, if you watch the whole video, they go on to say, okay, well, you can make an amendment, and she says, I want to amend that, we, that these be taken out, and of course, everyone else is like, no, we're voting on it, it's all good. So the effectively, anything Sandy Hook related is locked up. It's done. Can't get it anymore under penalty of five years in jail if anyone inside the Connecticut uh, system were to copy that and give it to anybody. Well, I think Sandy Hook has been so debunked by so many people at so many levels. I mean, hmm. many of these deconstructions go way beyond what we did uh, that it's academic at this point. And now, I mean, yeah, there, there won't be that book I guess this is probably just to stop the book writer. Yeah. From, you know, because there's always at some, you know, five years down the road, there's some book mm -hmm. that blows the lid off the whole thing. And that's not going to happen. It's just going to be forgotten completely, swept under the carpet. So there was a big, uh, big argument in New York, <clears throat> New York State this week. But, oh, but wait a minute. By the way, back to the Sandy Hook thing. But what it did do, it set up Connecticut, I think to become a nexus for these sorts of things because now you're anybody that dreams up some mm, conspiracy mm, mm. you are good to go in Connecticut. Yes, Connecticut is your state. Exactly. You so want to we'll see more action in Connecticut. <laughs> you want to kill some kids? Connecticut's your state. Yes, yeah, so over the next 2 years as we do the show, we're going to yeah. spot Connecticut yeah. at least Very once good. or twice more. Would you please put that in the book? Yes, I would. I think that's book worthy and I think they should change their license their license plate to Connecticut. That anything goes when you want to kill someone, state. <laughs> Will that fit on the license plate? Um, big argument, big fracas in New York. Very interesting because for once it's not uh, right-wing, crazy, religious, nutjob, gay-hating Republicans, but actually left-wing uh, school system officials who are very upset about Common Core. We haven't really discussed much about Common Core recently. Um, that's why you're going to get an extra double dose today. And um, uh, this is in particular the, uh, what's her name? Uh, the, the woman in charge of the New York public schools in, uh, in upstate New York does not want 
the Common Core data to be given to the nonprofit corporation in Bloom. Now, in Bloom is a in Bloom uh, in Bloom. Yeah, we've discussed in Bloom. In Bloom is the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, funded nonprofit, which will have if you go to in Bloom dot mm, is it in Bloom dot org in Bloom dot com um, org. Or, yeah, you'll see, um, you know, what they're basically planning on doing. And the whole idea is the data goes in and then third-party application developers can get a seal of approval and can then, you know, slice and dice the data and give this fantastic information about your children to, well, of course, the idea is to give it to uh, other educators and uh, the parents, but we know kind of well, what's going to happen. Also, it's got to, some of it's got to go to the <laughs> yes, yeah, to the oversight committee yes, and the of steering course, committee of, of the CCA, of course, the now, Corrections Corporation of America, which yeah. <laughs> is also partially owned by Gates. Now, here's the disturbing thing about In Bloom. In Bloom, um, they they the they have a uh, of course they're nonprofit, so they have to file a. Form 990. This is, I love looking at Form 990s. Anyone can do this. And I pulled their 2012 990. 2013 is not due yet. In 2012, they had zero income. So this is basically a startup. It's a new company. Uh, we have no financial data. Nothing has been officially released. They have released nothing on their website other than that they're funded by Bill and Melinda Gates. And they also don't show up for the conversation. Instead, when NPR, and this is where I was alerted to this, wanted to have a debate, they uh, got a spokeshole from the Data Quality Campaign, which you can find at datacualitycampaign.org. Uh, another nonprofit funded by, ah, gee, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And a professional lobbyist type outfit their whole they are to their entire reason for existence is to protect um in bloom and if you look at the board of directors which is always my favorite thing to do we have rob mckenna he's the chairman he's from a law firm oric harrington and sutcliffe we have john bailey he's from dutco worldwide a huge lobbying firm uh, lead Edge Capital, Paul D. Bell. I mean, it's just all elitist crap holes who are on this another Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, nonprofit. So it's just layers and layers and layers of people um, protecting this scam. Uh, I wanted to play, although it's a little long, I wanted to play a bit of this debate between the um, the, the 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 lady from the schools who really doesn't want this to happen, and the uh, data quality campaign woman, uh, so you can get an understanding of the argument, and then we're going to hear an educator talk about really, and this is was mind blowing when I saw this uh, video of hers about what is really going on with this Common Core and the data and the uh, and the computerized testing. Amy Rogstad Gadera, I imagine you disagree with some of the sentiments there, and I want you to make the case for us, first of all, of why we need to be collecting uh, and sharing the data of kids. And by the way, Amy, what's her name? Gadakstad Kashnani. Uh, if you look at the um, datacualitycampaign.org, you'll see there's an actual menu item, which is... Amy's Desk, the source for the latest in education policy and data from Executive Director Amy Rogstad-Guadera. 
So it's Amy's desk. Sure. So I'm an unabashed advocate, and we all are at the Data Quality Campaign, for changing the use of data in education. We believe that data is the great equalizer. Uh-huh. And, you know, the truth is we've always had data in education, but we've never used it uh, to really change conversations, change actions, and to change outcomes. And we're now on the cusp, and it's starting to happen around the country, where we're starting to see where educators and families are having access to quality, actionable information. And as a result, it's changing the teaching and learning process. It's providing greater transparency about what's going on. (laughs) It allows us to have richer conversations about accountability. (laughs) Whenever someone says a richer conversation about anything, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. This is, this is, this is, complete double-speak gobbledygook bullshit. And most importantly, it's empowering individuals to make great decisions for their own kids. And I just want to reinforce, this is about more than anything empowering parents with actionable information about their own actionable. kids. And <laughs> Now, you as a, uh, a homeschooling parent, uh, John, uh, how do you view the idea of, I'm quoting from their website, prior- prioritizing student data privacy in the cloud and beyond? <laughs> Does that sound good uh-huh. to you? Does this sound like this will be something good that the child will actually benefit from this? Never, ever had before. Well, yeah. give me an example of that, of how exactly this data could be used to help parents uh, and their kids. Ah, okay. I've, I'm all ears. What, John, you've taught your children at home. They've all gone on to be Ivy Leaguers. Or at least... Yeah, I, so I, I... Yeah, you do that by uh, letting them read the classics, uh, teaching them uh, from neutral sources... Letting them think for themselves. Did, did you uh, give them a Kindle Paperwhite and then track their progress, how fast they were reading, and what uh, words? Yeah, who cares? Did you track? Why their, would anybody uh, care about that? Did you not? You want, if, you, if you want somebody to finish a book, were you not you interested in actionable? Did you not want actionable data to have a deeper, richer conversation? I have uh, no desire to, to anything action. Here we go. Well, number one, you know, I'm a mom, and the number one question I want to ask my teachers, and I ask them constantly, you know, in my teacher conferences, but every time I have a chance to talk to them, how is my kid doing? Is my kid on track to be ready for this you know, knowledge economy that they're going to be going out into? What? And how do I know? <laughs> and rather than in the past where teachers would say, trust us, we're doing the right thing, everything's going to be okay. I actually really enjoyed that process of interacting with the teacher and the teacher never said, trust us. I've never heard a teacher say, trust us, everything's fine, nothing to see here. No, quite the opposite. Uh, Mr. Curry, your kid's a little distracted. It's a little annoying sometimes, but I like the spunk. You know, she needs a little work on this or that, and you know, maybe you can help. I've never heard trust us. They now can provide me data showing how's my kid doing, not just compared to other kids in her classroom, but also in the school. But also, we're now able to get this actionable information that shows... Actionable. Um, because we do have this ability to look and know that if a kid is scoring at this point in third grade, you know, for a real data point, we know if kids aren't reading on grade level by third grade, the chances of them graduating from high school are diminishing. And so that's real data that we can tell parents that we need to get your kid reading on grade level by third grade or we know that the results aren't going to be great. That is, that is the stupidest argument I've ever heard. Your kid might not graduate because he's not at a third grade reading level. And, and we can't figure this out without actionable data in the cloud, lady? <laughs> no. And well, that may be scary, as you know, as the superintendent just talked about of being profiling. We think it's much more empowering when you start thinking about empowering. that power of data. Did you say these same buzzwords, empowering. Yes. All this crap from Silicon Valley over and over. Yes. 
And that's, I'm glad you're picking up on it. Put into the hands of families so that they know how they can be the best advocate for their child. <laughs> and when teachers are given that information and given the training to know how to use it, it empowers them to not just teach the whole class in a cohort, but to really focus the teaching process on individual needs and to make sure that every kid is getting what they need and are ready to be prepared and to live up to their potential. All right. Ready to be prepared. To live up to their potential. It's kind of a redundant comment. You, ready, are you ready, ready to be prepared or are you just ready? And it's ready to be prepared to live up to your potential. Ready to be prepared to live up to which means, what does that mean? It means nothing. No. And so that goes on for hours. Now, what you are about to hear is no. the other, and this is really, this was mind-boggling. This is Peg Luxick. And she's a troublemaker. I'll, I'll be the first to, I got to point that out right off the bat. Uh, politician, um, Constitution Party, Pennsylvania, troublemaker. Uh, Constitution yeah. Party. Yeah. She's a troublemaker. That's troublemaker. She's a troublemaker. However. What's your name again? Peg Luxick. Lima Uniform Kilo, Sierra India Kilo. Don't spend any time on it. Listen to what she's saying. She says this whole Common Core thing with the data in the cloud is about computer adaptive testing. Are you familiar with the concept? No, but I can make sense of it by just the name of it. Okay, so uh, to set this up, remember, uh, your kid is doing stuff, the test, the, all the educational materials, but also the testing is coming from the cloud into the kid's iPad or tablet or laptop or whatever it is, and the kid is answering, so it's completely two-way interactive. However... As she's about to point out, uh, this has been going on for a long time with pencil and paper. The idea that the test is not just a test for the topic at hand, i.e. comprehensive reading, but it can also change on the fly so that it turns into an actual slave training mechanism. Computer adaptive testing, I give you Peg Luxick. The problem isn't that it's self-paced. The problem is that the test is open to manipulation. So if I want it to look like the students are doing poorly, I can adapt it to make the test harder. If I want it to look like the students are doing well, it can be adapted to make the test easier. And you as parents or taxpayers or policy setters will never know which way the test was adapted because it's an internal mechanism. So it is not a valid assessment. And the, that, that is the fundamental problem with it is that the test is being manipulated as it's being taken. In other cases, when you're not in math, but you're in, in some of the, the more uh, history or, or other areas where it's more philosophy driven, you have to comply before you can move on. So the child is put in a position of you must agree. I don't agree with the global warming. No, but you have to because the test won't let you move on unless you comply. So when the test makers nice. can make the test adaptive, we can make it easier, we can make it harder, or we can make it so that we force compliance. You can't take the next step unless you comply with whatever it is that's being taught in, or, or presented in the test. So you're seeing where this is going, right? Uh, you're yeah, on, uh, you know what would be funny? Not that any of this is funny. But I think it, the test should go a little further than that. So when you answer, like, you, you know, is global warming good? No, I think it's bullcrap. The test should come back with a response, you don't say. Oh, John, have you already heard the clip? <laughs> no. So even then, if you don't agree with it, you're going to have to write it. You're going to have to say so. Perhaps an example that is older will help you. 
I have a long history in this movement. This is not the first time the federal government has attempted to take over education. So in the 1990s, that iteration was called outcome-based education and then school to work. You remember that, right? Outcome-based oh, yeah. education. It, that's probably what got you to homeschool in the first place. <laughs> and I was one yeah. of the leading national opponents then too. And I got involved because a woman showed me a test. It was given in Pennsylvania. It was called the Educational Quality Assessment. It was originally given back in the 70s and early 80s. And parent, the test said citizenship. So parents thought they were testing George Washington and the Declaration of Independence. But when you looked at the internal documents of the test, which I did, it said we're not testing um, objective knowledge. We are testing and scoring for the child's threshold for behavior change without protest. <laughs> I'm loving this. And this really happened. This was real. And that was in the test. So the sample question said there's a group called the Midnight Marauders, and they went out at midnight and did vandalism. I, the child, would join, would join the group if my best friend was in the group, my mother wouldn't find out. There was no place to say I won't join the group. They had to say under what conditions they would join the group. Another sample question was, um, your parents just found out that they're moving to you know, outer Mongolia. How much time would you spend on each of the following? Being upset, crying, arguing. So how adaptable are you to change? Based on the results of the EQA, districts were given curriculum packets to modify their curriculum so that the children would do better on the EQA the next time. So they were using the test to get a threshold for behavior and then adapting. Now that was a paper and pencil test, so to say it was easy to track is a gross overstatement of the level of difficulty that it was to get the information. But, when it, but compared to a computer adaptive test, much easier. So the way I'll it. Play it. Oh, really? Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I still have a minute left of her. Nah, it's okay. When she did the thing about the, uh, the uh, what is it, behavior change without protest, yeah. that's when you won. And, and what she is saying is that with Common Core Scholastic Standards, CCSS, the tests and the questions will change based upon each answer to bring you into the, to compliance with whatever the messaging is. And she's saying, look, it's one thing if it's paper and, uh, and a pencil, but now when it's on the computer, this shit can change just immediately, and there's no oversight. None. In when we were fighting outcome-based education, I traveled. I was in every state but Hawaii. And in one state, I was reading the assessments, and it was a reading assessment. And it was a story about a child who found a wallet, and there was money in the wallet, and what do you do with the money? I'm sitting in the Department of Education, reading it in front of the undersecretary, because they didn't want me to make a copy and take it anywhere, which was fine. Um, and the question was to the child, if you found a wallet, a wallet with money in it, would you take it? Do you read better if you say yes, or do you read better if you say no? Or were they testing a child's honesty on a state assessment with their name on it that was computerized? That's exactly it. 
You, you know, the parents funny thing need to protest, they, but parents need to protest this crap. Oh yeah, they should. This is horrible. We've said this before. We should probably focus on it a little more with this kind of uh, with this woman uh, being a good does uh, uh, good person. The, the, anyway, I was just going to get to which is the kids. This is like what you get in a in a in a, I think idealistic communist dictatorship of some sort where you're trying to train the slaves, like you said. But kids aren't really that dumb. They will actually, amongst themselves, unless you keep them separated like you would in a prison, <laughs> they will talk about this. And they'll yeah. say, what are you going to do? I don't know. They put me on this bad thing. What did you? What the te my test did this. What did your test do? Well, my test did this. Right, right. What did you answer? Well, I answered this. And then they'll, they'll outthink, they'll, they'll, they'll scam the test eventually. Yeah, well... And so it won't work. This won't work. I but, mean, but this is it's horrible, but, this but it is, won't work because kids aren't this stupid. Oh, but it's skip logic. It's skip logic. It is. Yeah, because no, it, it's totally skip logic. You're getting a question. You're answering. The answer is the next question changes based upon that answer. A couple of rounds of this, you're going to start out thinking the test. You're going to say, well, what if, what if I said that? What if right. I did? They're trying, they're trying to trick me. They're, you know, once you get a clue. When you're seven kid, or eight, is this what, when you, this is what you do? Or how about the, the big push from our president specifically for pre-K? We need to send the kids to the slave training before kindergarten. By the way, kindergarten, child garden, where you grow them, you plant them. You water them with propaganda. Right. And they're pretty pliant till they get to about the fourth grade. Mm. Fifth grade, you start to fall apart a little bit. You start to think for yourself. Sixth grade, for sure. Yeah, but seventh mm, grade, and then you're done. And you're now you're scheming against uh, the system. Yeah, but that, I, you think we're not really close think? to. No, I, there's I, too many people. That, oh, we're, not, no. we're not growing kids that way anymore. No, no, no. The, the, this is bull, I'm not. No. Where? Okay. Where are they getting the defiant messaging from? How do they even know? How do they even know how to do this? How to go we against the man? We have kids that listen to our show. Well, thank good. So we are. We are essentially. <laughs> We're it. It's Bill and Melinda <laughs> Gates or us. That's kind of it's what you're telling right. me. All right. All right. Good. Well, I'm glad to be on the front line there. Screw those guys. This, no, this, this is corrupting is, uh, this our children. This is really very bad. Yeah, this woman horrible. has got to be praised. Yeah. I, I, you want to hear the last 30 seconds of her? Yeah, I oh. love this. But because it was paper and pencil, I could find it. What if I put that in a computer test? And if they don't give the right answer, I can change the computer to move them in the next direction. So computer adaptive testing is really dangerous for our children because the state can manipulate achievement data by making the test harder if they want or easier if they want. And you won't know. You'll just get proficient results. Or they can use the test to test for and then influence what your child thinks and how your child thinks about a variety of topics. And again, the parents thought that was a reading test. They didn't know that it was a that honesty was being tested on a paper and pencil state assessment with their child's name on it. That's now part of their record. Yeah. Permanent. Now here's wait, wait, here's what she doesn't get to, which I think is part of this. And she should get to this. Maybe she does in some other talk. This isn't about, at, at the end of the day, figuring out how the kid thinks isn't about the kid anymore. It's about the, the parents. parents. Oh, no, totally. And, and you, the parents are going to get a knock at the door because your child doesn't seem so gay-friendly as it should be. Any number of things. Mm -hmm. The kid doesn't think this way. Where, did, where does your child get this idea? Where is it coming from?
why is your child like, what's, you know, what is wrong with your child? Who, this child doesn't dream this stuff up by itself. This child gets this information <laughs> from and feels somewhere. this way because of some other source. That must be you. And you know, and this, then you start looking around the house, see what kind of this books they exactly got. This is exactly what my ex-wife always says. Whenever my daughter does something weird, she's like, she gets that from you. Well, now just imagine the government being that way. Exactly. She gets that from you, and you get it from your father. <laughs> yeah, it's not that funny, really. Well, it's funny to Not me. nice, yeah. Yeah, so so this uh, you, so I'm very happy that this is not only, and that's the way it was being spun. Of course, just to back up for everybody, uh, this Common Core uh, was implemented through a race to the top $8 billion grant given to the National Governors Association. And they went right ahead and got Bill and Melinda Gates and all these other suspects, typical. Michael uh, Dell Michael and, his and his wife. Yep, they're all on board. They're all, because of course they have, um, you know, it has to be Microsoft operating system, has to be Dell computers. They're all in on it. Yeah, they don't see the, the danger. I, I'm not convinced that they're part of the real scheme. They're just part of the money part. The of money it. part. Let's make some it, money. Yes. But, but Bill and Melinda Gates, they are evil. They have to be stopped. These people have to be stopped. Well, the fact that they bought the uh, into the California Corrections uh, CCA that operation, which is the privatization of which I have some clips of, I have it somewhere else, and mm -hmm. I'll get them for the mm -hmm. next show. Uh, this is a really bad trend. This these privatized jails. Well, it's well, but the privatized jail is the same as the privatized school. We get charter schools. They're being paid for by God knows who. They're putting all this Common Core stuff in. Take your children out. Vote these people out. Stop Bill and Melinda Gates. Stop them. These people must be stopped. They run. They they own NPR. They own. Yeah, it. they're the ones who had the News Hour redesign its whole yeah. operation. Yeah. These people like must this, be stopped. Suits. Yeah, they must be stopped. They the and, worst kind of suits. And they really believe that. And that's the worst part. They really believe they're doing good. They're not. And and you need to get involved no, with your kids. Pull your kids out. If if there's Common Core and it's in forty seven states. If there's Common Core coming to your school, you need to revolt. What states don't have it? Uh, Texas says they don't have it, but they do actually. You know, when you get into this and you start looking, I because I I wanted to see you know um, what where's Texas? Texas has educate Texas. At educate Texas, we know that post secondary ex education will jumpstart progress. That's why we work closely with our partners to ensure that all Texas high school students, regardless of income, blah 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 blah. And you look at who's on this and who's funding this. <sighs> and and it, it just doesn't stop the the daisy chain of nonprofits. This also has to stop. We have to stop nonprofits. This they have to stop. Seriously, it's just killing us. It's killing our culture. It's killing everything. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah, I thought you would like that. Nothing to top that. Well, I have a couple of things that are kind well, of interesting. Okay, what you got? Well, first let's play. They, they, this was a, only a course. This was only done at uh, on Democracy Now, which is is an agenda that allows interesting little stories to come. Uh, oh, wait, I'll tell you what. That, that, we just put that off. I do have something I forgot to mention. We have broken the record 
for a drug advertisement. Oh, no. With with disclaimers? Two minutes. Now, that we've had these commercials before. They usually run, you know, some of them can almost get in a minute. Some of them are minute 15, but minute 30 tends to be the average. Two solid minutes. Of disclaimer. Of disclaimer. No, well, I mean, it starts off with a sales pitch. It's always the same. Sales pitch, sales pitch, then nothing but disclaimers, little sales pitch at the end. And as we've discussed, just like putting uh, negative messages on cigarettes, uh, telling people heroin is bad for you, it actually encourages the human psyche to go and get some. No, this I wouldn't get. Victoza. Victoza? Victoza. I, I, I don't see it. Oh, I'm sorry. Here it is. I was thinking a different one. Here we go. Victoza. Here we go. Across America, people like Basketball Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins are taking charge of their type 2 diabetes with non-insulin Victoza. For a while, I took a pill to lower my blood sugar, but it didn't get me to my goal. So I asked my doctor about Victoza. He said Victoza works differently than pills and comes in a pen. That's 18 seconds of pitch. I presume <laughs> we're about to get the disclaimer. Victoza is proven to lower blood sugar and A1C. It's taken once a day, anytime. And the needle stand. Victoza is not for weight loss, but it may help you lose some weight. Oh, Victoza good. is an injectable prescription medicine that may improve blood sugar in adults with type 2 diabetes when used with diet and exercise. It is not recommended as the first medication to treat diabetes and should not be used in people with type 1 diabetes or diabetic ketoacidosis. Victoza has not been studied with mealtime insulin. Victoza is not insulin. Do not take Victoza if you have a personal or family history of medullary thyroid cancer, uh -oh. multiple endocrine neoplasia syndrome type 2, or if you are allergic to Victoza or any of its ingredients. Symptoms <laughs> of a serious allergic reaction may include swelling of face, lips, tongue, or throat, faking uh -oh. or dizziness, very rapid heartbeat, uh -oh. problems breathing or swallowing, severe rash or itching. Tell your doctor if you get a lump or swelling in your neck. <laughs> Serious side effects may happen in people who take Victoza, including inflammation of the pancreas, pancreatitis, which may be fatal. Stop taking Victoza and call your doctor right away if you have signs of pancreatitis, such as severe pain that will not go away in your abdomen or from your abdomen to your back with or without vomiting. Tell your doctor about all the medicines you take and if you have any medical conditions. Taking Victoza with a sulfonylurea or insulin may cause low blood sugar. The most common side effects are nausea, diarrhea, and headache. Some side effects can lead to dehydration, which may cause kidney problems. If your pill isn't giving you the control you need, ask your doctor about non-insulin Victoza. It's covered by most health plans. Damn. That is indeed a record. I think so. I don't know if that can be topped. That may be one of those records that cannot be topped because I don't think they like running I, two minutes. I was a little disappointed by the side effects, though. I think a lump in a lump in your neck, ah, you know. I like the wither without vomiting. That's okay. You do die though, so let's. let's. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. Yes, new meme alert on the No Agenda Show. Finally, are you ready for it? Okay. Automania. Automania. It's a Turkish trend. It's called Automania, and it is the uh, the mania, like Beatlemania, for the magnificent century for the Ottoman Empire. Oh, 
Automania. 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 That's right. Uh, it, uh, so here's some examples. Uh, certainly in Turkey, Burger King Sultan Meal Combo. Ottoman cookbooks, Ottoman-style bathroom consoles, wedding invitations, Ottoman calligraphy, um, Ottoman-style renovation of buildings. This is a new meme. Curiously, the Ottoman footstool is not mentioned. No. But this is, is that actually from the Ottoman Empire, the footstool? It's called an Ottoman. Uh, Ottomania. This is the trend, which, of course, is a throwback to uh, what the caliph, uh, the, the post cal- of the caliph the and caliphate. the caliphate is all about. Yeah, it's about bringing back the Ottoman Empire. And it's if you're going to do it. Caliphate mania. Yeah. Well, no, Ottomania. It's a great new meme. I like it. It could Ottomania. be a show title. Ottomania. And then final only because, um, well, we got it from our resident uh, priest, who I think you saw the note, too. Um. The uh, <clears throat> the science is in. Hold on. Science! science! According to scientists now who have desperately been looking for a way to explain the pause in global warming for the past 15 years, global warming hiatus caused by the volcano's cooling effect. Mm. <laughs> you, can't, you can't make this shit up. Do the volcanoes ever go away? Uh, Stop this practice? No, it is uh, according to a new study. Oh, a new study. Published by the journal Nature Geoscience. Volcanoes are the reason that average rate of warming dropped from 0.31 degrees Fahrenheit per decade between 1970 and 1998 to 0.072 degrees. This muted surface warming was the result of a series of 17 small volcanic eruptions beginning in 2000 that spewed enough aerosols into the atmosphere to explain the disparity between climate change models and actual warming trends. So volcanoes that are basically big fire-spewing zits on the Earth cool the Earth. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. They will go to... And, I mean, if you're going to make something up, you might as well do it something like this. You know, that, I think that it's, it's, it's really... It's quite genius. So, so you look at the temperature data, it's going down, mm-hmm. but you think for whatever reason, it, it should be going up because that's your whole bait. You're basing everything on that. Well, that's the climate And model. it's not going up. It's going right. down. So right. you spend years probably yes. finding some something that yep. would explain this going down thing other yeah. than global cooling. Right. Exactly. And you come up with... Obviously. Volcanoes. Volcanoes. (laughs) All right. Uh, I I have a couple global warming clips. Uh, Sorry, climate change. Just to... Just to to wrap it up for today. Uh, first, here's the president um, uh, talking to the uh, governors uh, of America. On the West Coast, you've got governors Brown, Inslee, uh, Kitzhaber, who are working together to combat the effects of climate change on their states. 
Uh, we've set up a task force of governors and mayors and tribal leaders to help communities prepare for uh, what we anticipate are going to be intensifying impacts of climate change. And we're setting up climate hubs in seven states oh, across hubs. the country to help farmers and ranchers adapt their operations uh, to uh, a changing environment. Yeah. Uh, in the budget that I'll send to Congress next week, I'm going to propose fundamentally reforming the way federal governments fund mm -hmm. uh, wildfire suppression and yeah. prevention to make it more stable and secure. And this is an yeah. idea that's supported by both Democrats yes. and Republicans. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the economy, ladies and gentlemen. Climate change is your economy. Uh, you, there is no stopping it. Uh, I would like to point out, by the way, that Andre Heinz, who is the stepson of uh, Jerry, Jerry Carey, uh, actually is a uh, consultant for a Norwegian company that uh, will be trading in carbon credits. More on that on Sunday. So that's a nice bit of native advertising uh, his stepdad is doing there for him. Uh, and all of this, of course, is about the messaging so that we can continue this uh, economic change with, uh, with green and everything. And you need to do that with a messaging and CNN, Carol CNN, uh, brought on the guy from Yale who is in the climate change communications. And he will explain exactly who the bad people are. John? Be careful, it's us. With me now, uh, Dr. Anthony Lizerwitz, the director of the Yale Project on Climate Change Communication. His group has been studying the why question for more than a decade. Welcome. Thank you, Carol. It's great to be with you. It's nice to have you here. So let's clear up one myth. Do the majority of Americans deny climate change? Uh, no, they don't. And that's a really important point. We find that about two-thirds of Americans believe that climate change is real. And in fact, we see more broadly that there are six very different kinds of responses to climate change in the United States. And so I, I edited this so we can skip right over the first five and get to the meat, number six. Six different Americas, if you will. Let's, let's talk and about the And then last very, but not least is a... Right, the oh, dissenters, right? That, that very vocal group yes, of dissenters yes. is the last group. And, and they're the ones who deny right. climate change is, is happening. Who are they? That's right. <laughs> are you ready? Are you sitting down? Are you laying yeah. on the chaise lounge? So that group we call the dismissive. And the dismissive. And these are people who are firmly convinced it's not happening, not human cause, and not a serious problem. And by the way, I think that that's a farce. Uh, climate change is happening, but uh, to put it in the same lineup... Uh, with people who don't believe it's man-made is, is not fair, but okay. And in fact, about three-quarters of this group, and it's about 15% of the public, uh, believe that climate change is a conspiracy. They think that it's scientists making up facts, that it's uh, a UN plot to take away American sovereignty, <laughs> that it's a plot by Al Gore, as we just heard Ted Cruz talk about. Um, you know, all yes, he's right on all counts. <laughs> right? It has nothing whatsoever to do with the basic fundamental science, science. which you alluded to before, is that the scientific community, based upon the evidence, 97% of climate scientists <laughs> agree that climate change is happening and human-caused. And yet this issue has become deeply divisive in our politics. Well, my research also found that those very loud climate deniers are backed by lots and lots of money. A recent study by Drexel Where's University... Where's our money? Where's <laughs> our money? But listen, listen to what she calls lots and lots of money. ...that conservative foundations and others have bankrolled climate denial to the tune of $558 million between 2003 and 2010. Uh, okay, so that's about sixty million a year. That's a lot of money. Uh, no, 
that's nothing. That's a spit in the bucket compared to the billions and billions of dollars that are being given to pro uh, man-made global warming climate change groups. This is nothing. But of course, evil Koch brothers. Who are these wealthy climate deniers? Yeah, so there's two main camps. Yeah. One yeah. is the obvious uh, camp, and that is the fossil fuel producers. Oh, uh, obvious, obvious. I'm sorry. I'm going to. Do you have a minute, John? I just need to go to the, to the mailbox to pick up my check from the fossil fuel guys. Perfectly happy with the current energy system of coal and oil and natural gas. Perfectly because happy. Because they're making more money than anybody else on the planet using and continuing to burn this uh, old energy source. But the other is the ideological opposition, and that's what you're talking about with these conservative think tanks. Uh, They're deeply uh, distrustful of climate change because they're afraid of the potential solutions. Climate change is not something that we can all solve through our own individual voluntary behavior. Yes, we can make a difference by turning out the lights and buying a more fuel-efficient car and saving energy. But it's only going to be a small piece of what ultimately is going to require a national and, yes, global solution to this problem. And that violates some of their fundamental distrust about uh, government and the role of government in society. Yeah. Now, of course, as when I say that your economy is based on climate change, what I really mean is uh, gas. Natural gas is the future. This is what this is the solution that is given. Uh, of course, it's not really a solution because it has just it has carbon. The real solution is uh, is nuclear. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's scare people about nuclear. How about you, NBC? We'll do more on this story as the date approaches, but there's a potentially bracing prediction from a group of scientists that low levels of radioactive cesium could arrive on our Pacific coast as early as April. Like the solid waste that has already washed up in so many places from the Pacific Northwest on south, this too is from the Fukushima nuclear plant. (laughs) Scientists say there are no readings yet at any of their 16 (laughs) tracking sites, and they are not worried about radiation levels in the water when it does arrive. However, be afraid. I said radiation. Fukushima, be scared. Scared, scared, scared. Oh, my God. Yeah. That yeah. would have gotten clip of the day almost. Well, now listen. I'm gonna, this is my last clip. I'm done after this. The um, uh, Nuclear Energy Institute. <sighs> They've come out. They, they have their 2014 Future of Energy advertising campaign. Oy vey. If anyone ever needed the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group, it's these guys. This is. This I know is, these are like guys walking around a prop plane with blinders on. Yeah. <laughs> wow, an aviation reference—a nice one too. Yeah. No. No. It's it's worse. It's walking around a, a helicopter towards the tail. Yeah. So I shall play for you their Future of Energy campaign. Of course, I got this from AtomicInsights.com. Otherwise, I wouldn't even known about it. Um, and, they're, and so they're so bad. They, they, uh, I guess their campaign is trying to show that nuclear needs to be part of the mix. Uh, ergo, trying not to, uh, I guess, not to um, alienate anybody or whatever it is. But it's so bad. One minute. Here we go. It's really, really, really crap. I'm playing this off of the YouTube, so just give me a second while it starts here. Oh, I'm sorry. America's energy future. I'm Leslie Dewan, chief scientist at Transatomic Power. Our next generation reactors take used nuclear fuel to generate clean electricity. 
other innovators are also supporting new reactors that are safe and scalable for America's energy future. All right. Wrong. Wrong. You got some chick with stupid bangs. Yeah, she may be a scientist, but she got big bags under her eyes. Shitty makeup. Bags. No, no, she does. She's a puffy eye. Ukrainian girl. Puffy, yeah. Thank you. Get a hot chick. You go, what? Half those Ukrainian women are PhDs. Yes, thank you very much. She's technology innovator is the caption on her. Dumb. (sighs) In electricity. Other innovators are also supporting new reactors that are safe and scalable for America's energy future. I'm Dr. Patrick Moore, a co-founder of Greenpeace and a supporter of nuclear energy. No single energy source can satisfy our electricity needs while meeting our environmental goals. That's why I support the expansion of low-carbon nuclear energy to... Why are they... See, this is where they really messed it up. The the low-carbon? Yeah. Why don't they just say no carbon? I don't get that either. It should be that, that no carbon no if they want to even bring that part of it up. Oh, well, I think that should be exa- like a kicker. Just, yeah, or just or just not say anything. And, and, it's and, cheap. It's damn near free. This would solve everybody's problems. Thank you. Got, you. Thank here's you. the messaging that should be going on. Well, you want to get? Let's we're just, not in 1950 anymore. Yeah, technology we're not, has advanced. We don't build plants like Fukushima. We have iPhones. We don't, the times have changed and this technology has not been sitting on its butt. I've always liked to equate that to, for example, Intel and their, and their processor chips. They don't sell as many as they'd like to anymore. And they, there's things have changed, but they do not stop the, the walk into the drumbeat of Moore's law. The chips made today are not the same as the chips made three years ago, let alone 20 years ago. Right. And so you have so things have changed drastically. In fact, with, in with fact, the, the voice. So first they should of, be promoting that. In fact, first of all, the music has to go. Who made that? Did someone like do no, a the deal? Drug company. Drug the, company. The music has to go. And then you know, literally, hey, it's not. This is not your daddy's nuclear plant. We, you know, remember when we had answering machines? Ha 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 ha! That's where the, that's where Fukushima's from. Today we've got iPhones. We've got high tech. We've got new nuclear reactors, thorium breeders. This is good. Look at this hot chick. It's gonna save these kittens. That's the kind of stuff we <laughs> want to people. Our electricity. I'm Mark Furbeck. I oversee the training of nuclear reactor operators here at Georgia Power. And then they put the guy from Georgia Power in a nuclear operator who looks. He looks like he belongs in the Adams family. The guy's creepy. I'm one of 5,000 workers building the future of nuclear energy at one of the largest economic development projects in the country. Nuclear plant construction is creating jobs and growing local economies. Confusing the message. Around the world. I'm Vicki Bailey, an energy entrepreneur with 20 years of leadership in government and industry. Not trustworthy. For America's energy future, we need a diversified electricity portfolio. That includes... People at home... Who votes don't care about a diversified energy portfolio. No, they care about cheap, no carbon, futuristic stuff. Do you, you know, you, I've always thought if you put a debate on like a conservative versus a liberal and you're the guy that is promoting the liberal agenda, you put the debate on with a really smart guy from your community and then you find some screwy crackpot idiot to do the debate on the other side. Right, of course. Now, is there any possibility that all this is misdirection? These are designed to fail, and that Georgia plant which they're building, which cost a fortune and is huge and kind of old-fashioned, but it's not as bad as, you know, the Fukushima plants, 
this thing is going to run into delays, cost overruns. It's going to become a disaster, and they're going to point the finger at it, saying, "Look at all the over. It cost twenty times more than we it, it wow. thought it was going to cost." And wow. oh my God, this is the worst technology wow. ever. And then it's no. going to—they're wow. going to try to turn it on. It's going to crap out. Wow. You know. Now I feel a little dumb because I didn't do the research into the Nuclear Energy Institute. I am totally buying in that this is has been set up to fail. Good point. Red herring. And I'm looking at this. Uh, let me, let's take a look at this place. Issues. Who is this? News and media. Career. Who are these people? Who's who runs this thing? Nuclear energy. Of course, it's got to be an NGO or something. Nuclear Energy Institute. Let me guess. Non-profit? Mm, let's play... Well, while that's loading... Uh, oh, here it is. Nuclear Industry Lobbying Group. Really? This is the lobbying group? So it is non-profit then. But this, these are, this is your lobby? This is what you came up with? How about getting someone from Hollywood? You know? Get a Clooney-type person. You can get anybody. There's a million people who will do anything for money. And this is, this is the best you can do? With renewables, nuclear energy, coal, and natural gas, America is developing innovative new technologies to expand the use of nuclear energy, renewables, and other sources of low-carbon electricity. Why are they promoting natural gas I, when they're trying to sell nuclear? I know. And the coal. They're promoting coal. the whole thing. They're, they're so, uh, this is another uh, uh, trick. You do association. So you're condemned by association. You throw the, the natural gas in there, sure, that's fine. But they throw in the coal. Unbelievable. So we're like coal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's roll it you're back. nothing like coal. And also, instead of saying we have new technology, they're like, we're developing new technology. And they show, the t they, you know what they always show? That's like that stock footage of Ethernet cables with blinking lights. <laughs> yeah, that's really convincing me, lady. Nuclear energy, coal, and natural gas. Cool. America is developing innovative new technologies to expand the use of nuclear energy, renewables, and other sources uh -huh. of low-carbon electricity, providing energy security for future generations. Nuclear, clean air energy. Ugh. It is so bad. I'm Leslie Dewan, oh. chief scientist at Transatomic Power. Go away, go away. Transatomic power. NEI is governed by a 47-member board of directors. Man, we really got to figure out who's running this thing. I bet you uh, Sir Atomic Rod Adams will know. Uh, but these guys are up to no good. Oh, they've, okay. They've hired the Potomac Communications Group. Well, I would fire the Potomac Communications I Group if I were you. guys. I'd be using WPP right off the top. Yeah, get get the get the real guys in there. The problem is they don't have as much money. That's the problem. How could they not have any money? The General Electric builds these things. I don't think they're I don't think they're a part of it. I think General Electric just wants the gas turbines. I, I, I you know those go out after a while. You need to be, build new ones. I this whole I hadn't I hadn't thought of that angle. Good idea. Very good on you in there. Knowledge Center. This looks shit. FAQ. Uh, these people are no good. <laughs> <laughs> they're never gonna. They're never gonna help. No, they're not helping. They're not designed to help. They really aren't, are they? No. When you see fails like that, you have to assume it's done on purpose. Unbelievable. Or done by a high school kid. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. All right. Well. 
Screw it. We're not going to change that. However, we can bring you your healthy news diet, and we'll do it again on Sunday. I'm sure we'll have more Common Core as people are awakened once again about this. Be a little bit about genetically modified crops in Europe. Nice. All right. They're supposed to be all against it. They're all for it. And then we also have to talk about this uh, Boston Magazine article about the uh, uh, the the Boston bombers and their link to the triple murder and this girl who's been reporting on all of it who was a friend of one of the killed guys. It's very, very deep. Very strange. A uh, link in the show notes so you can uh, brush up on that and be ready for the show on Sunday. Thank you all for your support. Uh, everybody who's donated, monthly donors, of course, uh, and our... Uh, executive producers, associate executive producers, our knights, dames. Remember, 600 coming up. Get a double credit. Or otherwise, we'll kill this kitten. Here in <laughs> FEMA Region 6 in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm surrounded by Silicon Valley people, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Sunday right here on No Agenda. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A.